On this episode of Lord of the Rings, we discuss Lord of the Rings. Talk about the best musical score, the Lord of the Rings. We come become the Lord of the Rings. We are the Lord of the Rings. There's only one Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. And he does <laughs> not share power. <laughs> don't give me that ring. I don't want it. <laughs> I put on my robes and wizard hat. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Welcome to Half Step Takes, high contrast conversations where we zoom out to see the bigger picture. I am one half of the host, Corey Revis, aka that black guy in Lake Town. Uh, and Adam is here. You can say your Hello. last name, because I already said your first name. <laughs> Hello, my name is Adam Bucheri, a.k.a., and I'm going to try to do this in one take, Aragorn, a.k.a. Elisar, the Elf Stone, the Champion of the West, the High King, uh, Strider, Longshanks, Chief Long of the Shanks. Dunedain. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Longshanks? <laughs> Longshanks. Uh, Flame of the West. There's definitely like a dozen more. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's got so many honorifics. It's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, because he's Aragorn. Of course he is. Of course he. Does. He do be Aragorn. Though. Yeah, he do. That's be Aragorn. the thing. So, if you haven't guessed it already, we're talking about ye old Lord of the Rings. <laughs> ye oldie, the Lord of the Rings, and we've got apparently a lot to talk about because I'm obviously kind of interviewing Adam today about mm-hmm. it because this is apparently mm-hmm. is like one of his favorite things in the, ever so i'm like uh yeah tell me tell me bro yeah this is kind of a throwback to our uh formative episodes series where we just like we gotta get this out of our system <laughs> yeah. like there's like i'm i'm composed of like like 15 percent lord of the rings by volume as a human being which like <laughs> I want to be clear. That's a really significant percentage. It's a very high percentage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what 15% I am. It can't be Mega Man, is it? No, no, no. I don't know. There's not a lot of people who are who are that percentage of anything. So, I'm well, just saying. Yeah. I, there, there's a deep well. I feel like I could go toe-to-toe with Colbert. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> I, I've seen him go off, and I'm like... I know. Bro. Uh, but also, I could be like, hey man, what's the name of Aomer's horse? And he would probably tell you. It's only mentioned once in the books! And he could still probably tell you. I mean, I've seen him do bad like, dig deep. I've seen I've seen him dig deep in like some back behind-the-scenes stuff, where it's just like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Like, that's a good way to start it off. Uh, for all you Lord of the Rings fans out there, you're gonna love this episode. You're gonna love it because, I like, we're about to get crazy uh, mm-hmm. with all of this stuff that Adam is gonna spew out of his ma- mouth. I don't know what yeah. I was about to say. Like, mass <laughs> out of out of Adam's mass. Uh, uh, I am the mouth of uh, Boocherry. Which is the emissary uh, from the Blacklands who comes out to treaties with uh, the the Fellowship of the Ring, what remains of it, the Company of the Ring, um, as they approach the the Black Gate. Oh, so the guy without a out eyes. 
Yeah, yeah. And he's got. They, I, they, knew uh, <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. And they use CGI to make his mouth too big. And it looks like well, yeah, a great special. He's constantly like, oh, Gandalf. <laughs> he's like, does like Gendalf. weird mouth stuff. Gandalf. Like his I, mouth is I so. Need a cheeseburger from you. <laughs> Oh, Greybeard, <laughs> what you don't understand is that I suffer without my stone. <laughs> this is too inside baseball. Yeah, I'm making some dumb bits. I apologize, everyone. Corey, please tell the nice people what they're going to be listening to. Okay, you what are going li- to be listening to uh, the first question. Adam, what is Lord of the Rings? Specifically, what era slash part of lord of the rings are we actually talking about today because we we could obviously it's huge it's mega huge yeah. you could have an entire episode about just the language the elf language <laughs> which i'm pretty sure it exists somewhere um, are you referring to quindar or sundarian i have no idea see what i'm talking about you could have an entire kenya <laughs> quenya fuck I, I don't know big fan <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think it's quenya and sundarian okay yes uh, there's two but yeah, so but, um, yeah, that... so just defining scope, which is to say, yeah. uh, today we're going to be talking about the books and the Peter Jackson adaptations. I'm aware that there are the Ralph Bakshi and the Rankin Bass animated films. I am aware that there is, uh, you know, this long history of like weirdo projects that are associated with it. There's also the uh, Hobbit trilogy. We will not be touching that today because that's a whole yeah, other a can whole of worms. Thingy. Uh, we're also not going to be talking about any of the uh, posthumously uh, published stuff, so we're not going to be talking about the Silmarillion. No Rings or, of Power. Yeah, meaningfully. No Rings of Power. We're not going to be talking about the Rings of Power. We're not going to be talking about the Children of Huron. We're not going to be talking about uh, none of that stuff. We're just talking about the original books. Maybe we'll talk about the the book, The Hobbit, a little bit in yes. passing. And then the Peter Jackson trilogy, um, which remains one of the great adaptations, uh, period, full stop. Mm-hmm. I agree. I do agree. Mm-hmm. Because it took me a while to actually watch them. Um, I know. They, I made you. Th- yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> that is part of the that is part of the uh, the discussion today is uh, uh, people out in the audience land. Um, yeah, that's how I was kind of introduced to this whole series as a whole, um, at least, uh, you know, the live action stuff. Because mm-hmm. I never saw them the whole way through. I saw bits and pieces of all three of them throughout my life until I got to college on, you know, TV or something like that. And then he made me watch all of it, yeah, all the way yeah. through with the like the super special edition and all this kind of stuff. Can't remember if I made you watch. Oh the yeah, you did. Oh yeah, you okay. did. <laughs> I remember <me>. this. <laughs> And you're like, nah, this, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's what I keep hearing from a lot of people. And then I watched and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. It is still like really strong contender for like Desert Island media, where it's just like, oh, I'm only allowed to have one thing that I watch for the rest of my life. Uh, it's like, mm, it's probably between like Hot Fuzz in the Lord of the Rings. Oh, you do like Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is immensely rewatchable. Yeah. That is a fun you, movie to You re-watch. love that movie. <laughs> yep. But uh, the Lord of the Rings, we rewatch it every Christmas. 
Oh, every really? Year. Every year. The whole yep. thing? The whole thing. All the way through? Like... Sometimes we'll mix it up a little bit. And, and like, often it's in the background, right? We're not, like, sitting down and 100% paying attention to oh, it. Oh, we'll you just, just you just it have it on. Yeah. While we're doing, you it's know, a Christmas, Christmas decorations movie. or Yeah, or it's, stuff. But it's like... that kind of a Christmas <laughs> holiday movie. Okay, that's neat. So yep. it's good to have on just period just to let it rock let it rock type situation all right yep cool so yeah explain to the the good people the masses i'm just gonna start calling our audience the masses the masses the unwashed masses yeah <laughs> the blobs the masses <laughs> <laughs> you filthy faceless <laughs> you, you mass of flesh <laughs> and bone. Born from the spawning pits of a tumble. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> Hooray. Okay, what are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Tell me. What is Lord of the Rings? Why are, Why should we care? Why? What is going on? Why are there so many words that sound weird? Uh, why are there so many places? Well, the, to answer the last question that you just asked, the reason that so many things sound weird is because, first and foremost, what you have to understand is that uh, Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien, uh, the author, the man, the myth, the legend, um, first and foremost, was a language weirdo. Yeah. And uh, he I do know this. The, he wrote the languages before he did anything else, and he really, really cared about them. Yeah. So that's why there's so many weird names and stuff and you'll be just like it's unbelievable that there is like 10,000 years of history and I have to hear about fucking Ancalagon the black dragon and then mm -hmm. in the same breath you look over there and there's Mount Doom yeah. which was named by a toddler yeah what are you talking about <laughs> and it's like no of course not the mountain's called Rudrun in Elvish which mm -hmm. uh you know Basically, it's the people of the West. It's the it's people of Gondor who have to look over it, and they're just like, "Oh, check it out! It's fuck mountain over there. That's yeah. gonna kill us all." Yeah. So why should I say? So it's easier to yeah. say Doom. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the nickname that they gave it yeah. because like he like a, a cool thing, a genuinely cool thing about them is that like Tolkien cared about language, but he also cared about how language evolves and how it's used and how. You know, words will get bastardized or twisted or uh, mm -hmm. uh, anglicized. And so, yeah, uh, th there's just a bunch of stuff like that. Um, yeah. Which is, which is genuinely cool to me. You'll find, like, these legacies and lineages of names that go through. Um, this isn't why it's cool, but I think that this is the, the, the version of this that works the best in fiction. Because I've read Aragon, a bad book series to me it, it does does mm. not work and you know the author will be like oh i wrote ten thousand years of history and all this stuff and it's like first of all not that difficult i'm a dungeon master i've run tabletop games you can write ten thousand years of history real easy it's i could do it right now complicated. you know me Ex absolutely <laughs> i could do it right um, now in my head <laughs> like it, it's I don't know. It's just like part and parcel with world building for anything that's fantasy like this. Yeah. Like you, it's going to have history. I can't remember who said it, but someone uh, observed that like virtually all fantasy is actually post-apocalyptic. And there are the ruins of older, greater civilizations that like the modern uh, uh, culture lives in the shadow of, which is absolutely true of the yeah. Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, well, I think also we're always fascinated with antiquity. So, mm -hmm. 
we we can't help it <laughs> love a fallen empire yeah um and yeah it, it's chock-a-block full of that but also um y- you know uh in in that aragon example like the words that he the fake words that he comes up with the the just don't sound remotely as convincing because they're not because they don't have that that lineage you know yeah. well um, it, it, you can as as much as it sucks i feel like um the author of like that series like eric aragon is like mm-hmm. dude i'm sorry I, I know you probably tried your best but you just stole like it's blatant how many how many things you kind of just ripped off it's not even inspired <sighs> it's just ripped and i'm like see eh. like my objection to this line of complaint is that like the problem isn't that he lifted stuff from other things oh right? no i'm not saying that the, yeah i know i but like the problem is that he lifted it from too few sources mm-hmm. where it's like this is basically the lord of the rings and and star wars mashed together and those sources are too popular and so it's obvious yeah creative people i encourage you to just blatantly steal stuff but steal from a lot of different sources yeah really could put a lot of ingredients in that stew and also the more obscure it is then the 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 safer you're you're gonna be yeah as far as like someone being like hey wait a second this guy's just yoda yeah um but i mean like well you you know what i mean right like because you kind of explained it a little you know a tad different, sure. but the same of like, yeah, he didn't, he stole from two very popular things, but he didn't differentiate them. In my opinion, he didn't differentiate it enough to where it was like, okay, yeah, I get where this is from, but you kind of made it your own type thing. It, it's too recognizable and it doesn't have enough of a, an identity. And, you know, I'm sure that there are people who will differ and there are people who like, it really hit them at the right age and they have affection for it. And mm-hmm. I don't want to, take that away from them uh but like for me just like the fundamentals of the storytelling and how much it resonated with me personally like yeah uh, uh, but we're not here to to have a treatise on aragon uh we're here to have a treatise on aragorn (laughs) okay what did he do (laughs) uh like just a bunch of stuff he he, look he slept in the dirt a lot (laughs) i believe it he was very dirty in the movies yeah uh, so yeah, the, the real answer is like, why care about the Lord of the Rings? It's so multifaceted and so cool. There's just so many ways that you can appreciate it. Um, the level of detail holds up to scrutiny. It's the kind of thing where if you ask, like, is there more context for this? Is there like a greater, like, there is always more context mm-hmm. for it. And crucially, the context is usually pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's not like if you're just reading the Silmarillion and it's like just it's functionally a textbook. Sure, you can be forgiven for thinking that it's boring. Um, but there are a lot of neat, dramatic stories. The foundation of this world building is really cool and has been aped and echoed uh, mm-hmm. uh, numerous times over the uh, almost century since the this came out. Oh, yeah. Um. And then when we finally get around to talking about the the film adaptation, Peter Jackson's The Lord of the Rings is genuinely one of the great adaptations of all time. The way that it takes the spirit of the original books and then translates it to film is so successful 
in the important ways. And what I'm talking about that is like capturing the spirit of the thing. It's vastly different. It's hugely different. It takes big swings. It makes a lot of changes to the source material, but those changes are all in service to the original core identity and the, the heart of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do hope that we do a Hobbit episode at some point in the future yeah. because they do not. Yes. Um, we probably will because that's the only thing I know of. Like, because I actually read the book, so <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I was—that's one of the things that I was looking forward to. I think I told you this before. I was like, "Oh man, oh they're actually making the Hobbit now." I actually know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. And then it came out, and I was like, "Oh no, I oh think my they're going to." They adapted th- the first eighty pages of the Hobbit. The, yeah, well, yeah, and well, that's the thing is, I'm like, wait a minute, I watched the old Ralph Bakshi stuff, and they got done mm-hmm. with it real quick, so yeah. why is this taking three movies? I thought it was going to be done in the second one, because I was like, okay, once Smog gets there, it's like, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of mm-hmm. almost done. Like, yeah, we, we, we're not going to okay, get we're not going to go there, we're yeah, not we're not going to go there. We're not going to fall down, <laughs> we're not going to fall into this trap, yeah. but like, there's a lot to talk about there, and um, it exists in conversation with the Lord of the Rings. So let's talk about Lord of the Rings so we can set up that future episode someday. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, okay, first uh, first real question. First real question. When did you get into this? Or were you literally reading this when you were in the womb? That's a great question. I got into this in high school, early high school, which is to say when the movie came out. Okay. I have distinct memories of uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and the Lord of the Rings to the Fellowship of the Ring coming out very similarly. I don't remember if they were in theaters at the same time, but like... There's a strong association between those two movies. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, one of them is better. Um, but one of them is for a different audience. <laughs> I, look, I my objections are with Mr. Christopher Columbus, who I think is a pretty middle of the road director for those first. That's two fair. That's movies. fair. <laughs> um, but the yeah, so you know, it came out and it was like just kind of in the water. And I remember my dad being like, "Have you ever read Lord of the Rings? I think you'd like it." And <laughs> that's funny coming from your dad, actually. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, he correctly pegged me, and I remember checking them out from the school library, and there were those old versions that had like the the weird like designed illustration of the flaming eye, but yeah, it was yeah. like really abstract and it just like, huh? Yeah. I'm, like they were, they were also like a weird, like kind of sickly off color. If I remember correctly, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> they weren't my favorite looking books yeah. is what I'm saying. But I tried reading them. I was too young for them. Honestly, I, I just kind of bounced off of it. It's not that the content was too advanced. It's just, I wasn't used to that slower pacing. Look, I, I was still, like, way into, like, my Redwall phase at the time, right? Okay. And those books are breezy, comparatively. Yeah. Um, and The Fellowship of the Ring, especially, is a slow burn. But, uh, yeah, I read part of The Fellowship of the Ring, and then I watched the movie, and then I went back to the books... And then I got into the books. Okay. And then by the time the two towers came out, I was like fully in sicko it. mode yeah. <laughs> for Lord of the Rings. Um, 
And I just have, like, this was really one of my first rabbit holes that I fell into. I made this my entire personality. I was intolerable. I really should apologize to my parents for how annoying I was about this thing. Um, But, like, to the point where I have vivid memories of, like, there was a Thanksgiving one year. Oh, no. And a relative uh, gave me a gift and it was the extended edition of the two towers Uh-oh. and those extended editions were amazing and also i've talked about this before they were like my first film class mm-hmm. where it was like those behind the scenes were detailed enough to like really get me uh, a sense of the camaraderie and the craft that went into making film in a way that i never really had that perspective before and so it's Thanksgiving, and I'm literally downstairs in the basement watching special features on The Lord of the Rings <laughs> while my relatives are all there. People who I only see once a year. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, sorry, Adam's Adam's in his Lord of the Rings hole, and he's not coming out. Um, uh, I took it too far. I was embarrassing, but... I mean, I, I am expressing like the depths of my love for it. Yeah. Um, it's okay. And and then I've told this story, uh, as well, but like, I love to tell it, so I'll tell it again. Okay. <laughs> but, um, when I was in, when, when Return of the King was coming out, I remember being at school on opening day for Return of the King and just being like, man, it's so hard. I don't want to do school. I want to be watching Lord of the Rings. It's uh, stupid that I'm here. And then I got a message from the the front desk over the PA system that's just like, Adam Bucheri, will you come to the front desk uh, for a doctor's appointment? And I went there, and my mom is there, and I'm just like, I don't think I have a doctor's appointment. And she's just like, you don't. And then she waved some (laughs) tickets for Lord of the Rings. And to this day, all-time great parenting move. Absolute... Maximum points to to my mother that day. Uh, based, still straight base. I think that I've got the ticket. Oh, really? You uh, kept somewhere. the ticket? Well, that I'm makes sure sense though. I was going to say, did you keep the ticket, or did you keep some type of memento for that? So yeah, yeah, that makes uh, sense. And guess what? All time great theater experience. Oh, like, I, that was opening day, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that probably great was great energy. That probably was. Super I was hype. losing my mind. Um, Every probably anybody was probably losing their mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and since then, I mean, I have watched the Lord of the Rings on average probably once a year. Mm -hmm. I've probably missed a couple, but I've probably watched it more than once. (laughs) (laughs) So it evens out. Yeah. Um, And then as for for the books, I also deeply love the books. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I, I've talked about this as well, where my wife, a uh, historically bad sleeper, one of the ways that I can get her to go to sleep is I read books out loud to her. So we have reading time together, which is lovely. That's the um, cutest thing I've ever heard. It's very cute. And, uh, you know, right now we're reading Dracula and we've read, you know, a, a bunch of other books. But there really is kind of a sweet spot for falling asleep books. Mm-hmm. Where you don't want something that's like too intense or too engrossing or too whatever. Mm-hmm. And The Lord of the Rings is what we keep coming back to. We have read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings out loud at least four times to completion. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. It is impressive. 
Uh, we wrapped up our most recent reading of it. I don't know, three months ago, okay. probably. Well, uh, also, what you told me, tell me what you actually, you, you didn't tell us all of what you do with those readings, though. I, I, what's the question? No. I'm not following on this one. No. What do you do while you're reading the... I, re- I mean, do you want to say that I do the voices? Yeah, I do you do the, the voices. voices. Yeah. You better believe I do the voices. Yeah, he does all <laughs> the voices, too. And they're fun. They're great on the page. <laughs> like, you, you, you read Sam on the page. The accent that Sam has in the movies is the only accent that Sam can have. Mm-hmm. Because that's just his rhythm and cadence where he's always going like, Oh, why I oughta. Yeah. You know, begging your pardon. I don't believe you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it, it's so fun to be so many of those characters. Gandalf, consistent delight. I'm always pumped when Gandalf shows up. Oh, I think everybody um, is. Saruman, so much fun. <laughs> um, yeah, great books to read out loud. Love to do the character voices. Yeah. By the way, uh, that is my favorite line from uh, Sam. <laughs> I, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, because when I saw that the first time, fun fact about, a little fact about my Lord of the Rings experience, when I saw that one for the first time, like, I'm pretty sure that is Two Towers? I think that's Two Towers. Yeah. Yeah, because that's my favorite one out of the three. Don't at me. Mm. Uh, he, like, when I saw that, and he was basically, they were basically, uh, him and Frodo were basically just staring at, you know this scene, but I'm explaining it uh. to the masses. Like, <laughs> he's, they're looking and listening to Gollum, and Gollum's like, no, I'm not going to do nothing. I was, you know, you can trust me. And Sam, and I immediately thought in my brain, man, he's bullshitting. And then Sam immediately said, I don't believe you. And I'm like, see, this is why Sam is the goat. That's what I'm talking Sam, about. Sam is the goat. Um, he's the goat. The goat. Sam-, <laughs> <laughs> Sam is the greatest of all time, but also Frodo is the greatest of all time. Yeah, they're, also they co- they're a co- is the greatest of all time. And yeah. also pretty strong argument for Gandalf being the greatest of all time. Well, you, I think you didn't say the the actual for real greatest of all time, though, um, which is uh, Orlando Bloom's elf character. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody thinks that he's the coolest person ever. Like all the time forever it is so funny how uh uh legolas is a nothing character in the legolas book is and straight also up nothing a nothing character, character in the, the book, book in the movies yeah because uh, I, I mean that's what i've heard i like like i said i have not read any of the mm. lord of the rings books like the actual ones like the whole way through the only one i yeah. read the whole way through is the hobbit but everybody who i've talked to says the same thing it's like legolas is barely <laughs> like he barely does anything in the yeah uh he does slightly more than in the movie where he mostly stands in middle distance and goes like a storm is approaching yeah he's an elf he's what you think an elf would do (laughs) exactly uh man elves are so fucking op and (laughs) you gotta nerf i mean but to be fair in terms of the lore no duh they're so op (laughs) but i know you know, people, the actual people are like, the only thing they have is numbers, but basically. Well, also their, their, uh, you know, spiritual life essence isn't tied to, to external forces, which are fading, true. causing the inevitable downfall of their civilization. Yeah, true. That's also true. It's all weaves together. See, it mm-hmm, all weaves mm-hmm. together. There is so much cool 
like world building stuff that like isn't even really touched on. Like we're not going to talk about the rings of power, but like something that I do like is that they chose to focus on a thing that is real in the, the books and the films, which is like, Oh, the time of the elves is over and it's time for them to leave. But like the rings of power show is just like, Oh, our time is over and it's time for us to leave. 2000 years before the start of the Lord of the Rings. (laughs) And the only reason we're there at all during the course of the Lord of the Rings is because we have artificially extended um, mm-hmm. our our time of prosperity, but that has resulted in this stagnation, yeah. right? Where it's like the we've basically stopped the seasons, and now you know the leaves keep falling, but they're not decomposing. the The cycle isn't. Yeah going on correctly and as a result um you know the the elves culturally as a society as a people you know are very similar to bilbo where he's like you know uh, i feel thin stretched out like butter over too much bread like that is happening writ large uh for all of elf kind mm-hmm. which is like pretty neat yeah for something that is almost exclusively subtext mm-hmm. and that also gives you an idea subtly um of just how old everything is like obviously this yeah. is like a this is a ma- like this is like a world building thing it, i don't know if tolkien did this on purpose he probably did because that's how good of an author he was but he's like no nothing is young some things may mm-hmm. look young mm-hmm. but everything is just at least 80 <laughs> everything oh my god yeah aragorn is 80 and and elves are like you baby yeah (laughs) yeah it's like yeah Um, i've been here bro (laughs) there is of course one notable exception to what you're saying Uh, who does not appear in the films uh i am of course talking about the one the only the most powerful wife guy in fiction tom bombadil yeah i was gonna say is it bombadil because everybody's like talking about Tom Bombadil, it's so funny how polarizing Tom Bombadil is because there are lots of people who just fucking hate Tom Bombadil. (laughs) And I am like way into Tom Bombadil because Tom Bombadil is older than the concept of mountains. Okay? Yeah. And I want you to like marinate on that sentence for a moment. Uh, He is unfathomably old. He dates back to the beginning of time maybe earlier yeah uh he is unspeakably powerful who knows what he's actually capable of Mm -hmm. like genuinely if he wanted to do something who could possibly stop tom bombadil and the reason why they can't give the ring to tom bombadil a ring which has which whose corrosive corrupting force destroys everyone it touches who that has a malicious will that bends towards destruction. The reason this ring has no effect whatsoever on Tom. He has no power over him and they can't give it to him because he wouldn't care. <laughs> and that's kind of fucking awesome to me. <laughs> that's like so cool where it's just like, no, we can't give it to Tom. And it's like, why not? And it's like, he would like put it on top of a shelf and it would fall in the garbage, and then he'd throw out the garbage, and he wouldn't even notice. Yeah. And it just, like... And it would just be lost Oops. again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
we cannot trust someone. We can't trust the forces of darkness to knock on his door and just be like, hey, do you have the one ring? I would like it. And him being like, yeah, you can have uh, it. Maybe. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you can have it. I don't need it. I can't remember if I do or not. <laughs> I was too busy getting flowers for my hot river wife, <laughs> who I fucking love. Can't get over. Oh, I love God, Goldberry's so good. Okay. Uh, I didn't know any of this, but I'm learning new things every day. Yeah, he's just obsessed with his wife. Yeah. That's it. That's, yeah. That's his whole motivation. He just <laughs> fucking his loves motivation. his wife so much. He doesn't... Okay, this creature that's older than the concept of mountains from time immemorial, uh, uh, on a geologic scale, this creature is. The hobbits uh, uh, are rescued by him, and then he's like, by the way, you should stop by Bree. They got a pretty good bar. <laughs> like, he's just a dude? Yeah. He has unlimited cosmic power <laughs> and he chooses to just vibe and just be a bro it's just like you could not persuade tom bombadil to steward in the to 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 protect this ring that will determine the fate of humanity but you could definitely get him to play beer pong with you yeah well i guess that's the i guess that's like i guess that might be his like fatal flaw is apathy because nothing can touch him, nothing really matters to him except his wife. So as long as you're not messing with his wife, he could care less about what happens. It's only a fatal flaw if you expect anything out of him. Yeah, but he, do Tom Bombadil. Well, that's look, a, that's the, the whole dude thing. abides. Well, well that's, that's it. <laughs> but that's the whole thing is everybody knows this. It'd be different if nobody knew this, but everybody who's important seems to know. Oh, he's just he's just there. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like they talk everybody about him knows at the Council deal. of Elrond. Yeah, like he gets mentioned. He's known. They're just like, can we? Can we use him? Can we? And it's nah. just like, no. Nah, he's. He don't give, yeah, he, don't he doesn't give a care. Fuck. Yeah, he doesn't care about any of this. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> as long yeah. as you don't attack his wife, everything's fine. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so that I guess kind of explains. No, it doesn't explain what the Lord of the Rings is. Um, it just explains your relationship to the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. So, that is all well and good. Because <laughs> we uh -huh. talked about the most, I guess, contentious character in Lord of the Rings lore. So, uh, here is a very interesting question that I thought of. Um, and there's, like... I don't know if I want to, I don't want to say subtext to this, but there is a lot to this of why the hell do you like this so much? Um, because I, I, for one, when I first met you, didn't think that you would be into this as much as you are. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot to this series, to this, these books, to this, you know, to the lore, to the world, to everything surrounding lord of the rings and i'm that is including the fandom that's including the author himself that's including mm -hmm. all of the time the time period that that all of this was created in just sure, the sure. language itself of how he how he even did that and why he even did that um you know his inspirations of all this stuff that he just stuffed in here and somehow he made it work and made it so original that it's literally like it's spawned off 
all these like subgenres of things. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, this is really like big. And I would yeah. like, and I, I make this comparison. I make, uh, it's like compared to something like Resident Evil, which you are also really into, <laughs> but you were, yeah. you made it very clear. I'm only in Resident Evil, like specific, like specific. I Resident like the Evil. ones that I like. Yes. But the way you're talking, you're like, no, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> all of it uh -huh. has a special place a in bit. my heart. And I'm like, okay, this is, I, I wanted to ask that question specifically because I'm like, okay, this was probably fascinating. Um, just on like, why is this one of the big things? Like you said, like 15% of your being. And I'm like, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot for a lot. So I'm like, okay why <laughs> what the hell <laughs> basically yeah i i think it's really fair to to ask me uh the man whose philosophy is things that i like are canon and things that i don't like are not canon yeah which is a great philosophy why i uh uh engage with this in in its totality in a way that i don't usually do it with like anything i would say yeah um and the answer is because this is one of the few things that I feel like is good in its totality. Like, I oh, okay. genuinely really like these books. I like the prose. I like the, the structure. Um, I like the story. I like the characters. I like the morals. I like the worldview. Um, and they're so fascinating from a historical context perspective like the context in which they were released as you said uh is so fascinating and then tolkien as a person is really interesting as a figure in the way that his history shaped the books and then his relationships with the other famous authors uh the inklings famously yeah um because i was specifically thinking like um like c.s lewis because i the way mm -hmm. you are about Tolkien is the way I am about Narnia. So I was like, yeah. but I know that they had like almost a rivalry of like, okay, how crazy can we actually get type situation? It's so funny to hear yeah. stories about uh, Tolkien and Lewis uh, specifically because they were clearly very good friends, but like in a relationship lived in enough that they could bust each other's balls. Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, all because like you'll constantly hear stories about like exchanges where it's like <laughs> C.S. Lewis is reading, he's like, "Not another fucking elf," <laughs> yeah. and then he's and like, then, oh, "Yeah," <laughs> and then Tolkien will be reading, you know, uh, a manuscript for the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and he's like, "You cannot just have." fucking santa claus show up. <laughs> what are you talking about uh like i i know you know about like uh like the one thing where they they have characters of each other in their own stories like mm -hmm. um i think treebeard is c.s lewis Tree, Treebeard is supposed to be inspired by uh, like yeah. yeah the cadence and voice and the presence of Lewis yeah yeah and oh man I knew this who was in oh shoot I it it I, it's gonna come to me later it's probably gonna come as soon as we start recording but yeah it's the same thing it, like they had exchanges like that all the time and they also mm -hmm. but I think it's really interesting because they also both served in World War One. <laughs> 
So yeah. they both had those lived experiences where it's like, yeah, shit was real. <laughs> and we basically kind of had to like, well, not had to, but they, they were both writers, like prolif- mm-hmm. prolific writers. So they both like decided to just sp- spill it all out on the page. Very and, much so. And, and the way that they chose to turn that, you know, uh, a horrific world event. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, World War One, um, is, is such a, a a kind of pointless and senseless war. Like it, oh, yeah. it's this huge conflict that like kind of wasn't about anything in particular. Well, uh, you know, it was just. Stuff happening and and like yeah and i'm not just i'm saying like world war one scholars don't at me because i understand there's a bunch of geopolitical stuff but like for your average troop on the ground um it's much closer to you know just a pointless forever war rather than world war Two, which was like this war of like great purpose and moral clarity oh yeah yeah uh because i was about to say that is there's a reason why a lot of World War One, uh, like from what I read and stuff like that, because I was always fascinated by World War One stuff, uh, mm-hmm. because it was a war that wasn't personal, where it's like, yeah. yeah, you're the enemy, but I don't got nothing against you. It's just that I'm fighting this war because of blank. Yeah, and my country made a treaty with this these people, yeah. and then this domino fell, which caused this chain reaction, and now I'm here, and I don't entirely know why. Yeah, and also it was a war where it was a new, the first kind of new war where everybody mm. was so used to fighting one way in mass. And now there's a house on the ground, like, and it shoots stuff and it moves. <laughs> what is that? Well, there's something flying in the sky and it's shooting at it. What, yeah. what is this stuff? <laughs> Get on your horse and charge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, uh, beans, uh, nuts. Oh, uh, it, it's literally crazy. Like, so everybody was trying to one-up each other. Yeah. And the, it, the intense technological revolution that yeah. was happening as it played out. Yeah, and like, yeah, and the soldiers on the ground were like, well, that's new. Like, literally, because mm-hmm. you've been in the trenches for who knows how long, just sitting there, dying of dysentery, and then all of a sudden you hear the ground shake, and you're like, I didn't even when was anybody going to tell us this <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's the it was like well that's the thing we weren't going to <laughs> so well, it's yeah uh, and you can see echoes of you know World War One and World War Two that show up in this oh yeah, um, yeah. but like the thing that like th- those are interesting but those you know kind of fall under the fun fact category yeah to me um, the thing that I find that that draws me to it is that is Tolkien's reaction to this, to being involved with these, and then to write this fictional story, which, yeah, look, makes a lot of assumptions about the goodness of Western civilization and, like, mm. how good a king can be. I, as a staunch anti-monarchist, it, it is a... Uh, uh, you know, it, there's a little bit of dissonance to to read about, you know, mm. good King Aragorn and good King Theoden. Um, but it's a fictional world and they can be good if he chooses to make them. And like, goddamn, Aragorn and Theoden and like the these people who he chooses to be his moral paragons are good. They are 
good and sincere and kind and merciful and even-handed and considerate. Like this, this is a book that is full of warrior poets, of people who um, truly care about their fellow man and want what's best for the greater good and for civilization. These are this is a book full of people who plant trees that they will not sit in the shade of. It's a book about you know noble nobility and sacrifice and fighting uh, uh, an unwinnable thing, not because you can win, but because it's right to do so. And, um, you know, nowhere, I think, is that more summed up than the wonderful quote from Faramir, who in the books is so good and perfect, almost to the point, <laughs> point of farce. He is absolutely like this unflappable, unfailing paragon of good. Um, but in the, the book, he has, um, a wonderful quote where basically he's being chastised by his father, Denethor, for not being what Denethor expects Mm -hmm. from this. You know, Denethor, uh, comparatively has a very toxic masculine view of the world of strength and, you know, might and mm-hmm. uh, uh, dominion, you know, it, it, it is good to win mm-hmm. um, to to Denethor in a way that's different than Faramir's worldview. And Faramir says in response that he does not love the sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor for the armor for its uh, uh, gleam. He cares only what they defend. Mm-hmm. And, like, what a perfect worldview. Uh, like, yeah, that's it exactly. Like, war, the the glorification of war, which very much, you know, Boromir represents. You know, he mm-hmm. is a honored, decorated soldier. He is a leader of men, and he is revered. But Faramir laments that soldiers are held in such higher esteem than artists and craftsmen Mm -hmm. and people who, you know, build and create for the good of community and society and the world. And he just truly cares about his fellow man. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that, 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 that is one of those quotes that just like lives with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I find it genuinely kind of profound. And there's like a half dozen quotes like it, you know, in, in these books. Like things that I just like read a turn of phrase and just be like, what a beautiful way to express this mm-hmm. idea. And they, and they like, if you've seen the movies, they do quite a bit of them in there. Like it's just quotable after quotable after quotable uh, mm. line in like the films all three of them all three of them are like stacked yeah, yeah. there's so much in all three of them because you think oh you know everybody all of like the emotional you know is all f- backloaded to the the third one the final one but no i'm like no there's all it's yeah. all throughout all three of the films and it's insane that they pulled this off now obviously there's like huge pivotal moments moments in each one Usually mm-hmm. they happen at the end, which is like, or the climax of each one. Sure, sure. Which is surprising to me that they were able to just make each one exciting, even though like 
the story's not over, but it's still, but this is still crazy type thing. Like in the second one, you know, there's going to be a third one, but they're like, what? Like, how is it so crazy now? And we (laughs) haven't even gotten to the big battle, big, big battles yet type thing or the, like the actual serious stuff yet. So, um, and, and like, I've been talking about all this chaff and minutia uh, about like what makes it special to me. It can't be underestimated the fact that the these the the movie adaptations, damn good movies, damn good entertainment. Period. Full stop. Mm-hmm. On no matter what level you are appreciating it, Helm's Deep from the Two Towers is real strong mm-hmm. contender for greatest battle yep. in cinema. Uh, um, this part of the reason why the second stuff. one is my favorite. Um, yeah, because Helm's Deep is a phenomenal achievement in cinema. Yeah, it is amazing how intense. Well, I just like the buildup. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Mm-hmm. This is for me. I like tone. I mean, not not tone. I like um. Uh oh, shoot, I'm looking for a phrase. Uh, something that Avatar: The Last Airbender movie does not have. Uh, <laughs> Are you talking pace. about like the buildup? Uh, the pa- like, I I am big on oh, pacing. pacing. I am uh, yes. the older I get, the more I'm like, ugh, pacing, pacing. You can do better with this. I'm with you, man. Tighter. I I, I care you can a do lot. Tighter. About you could do looser. You could do. I I'm big on that. I think mm. the Two Towers has some of the best pacing in film ever. Because for, for... well, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna say ever because it starts off strong. The opening of that movie starts off so strong, and I'm like, what, "Oh, what a banging start! What, what, what are you doing? I, even mm. if you didn't watch the first one, you understand that this is a huge monumentous like thing that just happened, because it yeah. shows the aftermath." And I'm like, "Okay, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing." Type thing. Uh, I, I think uh, the Two Towers has some of the best pacing I've ever seen in film. Like period, it um, genuinely does, especially just Helm's Deep as yeah. a as a sequence. Yeah, as a, yeah, absolutely immaculate pacing. Um, just just like the rhythm, the cadence, the 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 push and pull, um, the way that it switches between perspectives. It gives you like room to breathe by cutting back to Marion Pippin with Treebeard. Yeah, and then gets you right back into it. Like it's really. Like the gold standard. Yeah, and but I, I mean, um, well, I shouldn't say but because you were absolutely right with that because <laughs> I agree. I and I love the build up to Helm's Deep where they're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it it starts like I think towards the middle of the movie where they're like, okay, yeah. when we get here, it's supposed to be this way, but I think it's gonna be this way, and the further it goes along, it's like, oh shit. I think we might have made a huge mistake <laughs> in thinking this could like we didn't we underestimated what's about to happen type situation because then when you get there in like the what you call it the king of uh Rohan is like I ain't got shit <laughs> like I think we're about to die <laughs> yeah, yeah like what makes it so great 
And I'm echoing some of the things that they say in the like behind the scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, because, yeah. I have, I had a few, um, but it's all right. But like they talk about the pacing a lot. Yeah. In the the special features of the two towers, like they really communicate that like this was super important to us mm-hmm. in a way that you don't always see. Um, but yeah, that that build up to it um, is so important where. As you said, they probably arrive at like the halfway point of the film and then they have a long extended sequence of, you know, taking count of what they have, like checking their supplies. Like what resources do we have available to us? Looking at it and being like, not enough. Yeah. We're going to die. Like we're, we're going to fuck it up. And then Theoden is still trying to put a brave face on it. Yeah. Because... What else is there to do? Yeah. And also, and he then, just lost his child, too. So he's already, yep. like, super down. And he's just like, oh, oh great, great. More bad news. Uh, <laughs> he lost his child and his heir. And he's they been possessed bloodline. for a while. What, as, wasn't he? <laughs> like, Yep. And yeah. he's been possessed by uh, uh, Saruman, which is, like more or less the direct cause of his son's death. Yeah. Like it put him, his son into the line of fire, which, which, uh, you know, so like there's a sense of responsibility there to it. There's a sense of the world is ending. My bloodline has already ended. Like I do yeah. not have an heir. Um, now we are faced up against an insurmountable task and I have to do my best to like keep people's spirits up. Like, and, and that's so rough. Also, <laughs> it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, also, we need soldiers, so I have to literally tell children and old people that shouldn't mm-hmm. have to fight, hey, you gotta fight. <laughs> yeah, because it's a battle for their existence. Yeah. Like, they, they don't have the luxury of using only soldiers. Like, we have to use everything that we have, yeah. and we it still probably won't be enough. Yeah. And then... um. You know, you're 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 the movie guy rather than the book guy. So I don't know if you know that this is a, a change from the book to the film, but in the book, it's just them. Like they're they're a little bit better off than they are in the movie, but it's just them. And then in the film, the elves um, show up. Elves from Lothlorien show up in order to honor the last alliance mm-hmm. of elves and men. Um, and that is such a perfect change that's such a good Mm -hmm. smart change from in the process of adaptation because again i love the process of adaptation so goddamn (laughs) much i I love talking about it i love examining (laughs) it and this is like a big swing like i want you to like really consider like Mm -hmm. how risky this was and they like for for fan reaction against this and for like how it would be perceived yeah. because it could really easily spoil the tone yeah. of it and and in filming they were doing all kinds of stuff they were going even wilder like famously Arwen shows up oh, wow, to the really? battle with a sword and is doing some, some crazy kicking yeah. along with Aragorn. They filmed it. It wasn't just storyboarding. It wasn't just planned. They filmed it. That's kind of awesome. And then they cut it out yeah. afterwards because they realized like that's not what we need to do it's, for it's, this. It was character. too much. Yeah, it was too much. 
and, and that was totally the right decision. Yeah. But like the fact that they made all of these swings, that they tried all of these things, and then they ended up with this kind of perfect version of it. Yeah. Um. Man, what a miracle! Like, what what a what a blessing that we yeah. have the version of the movie that we do. Um. But yeah, the elves showing up like absolutely the well, good shit. Well, I, I think I think it's a testament to how people remember that. Because yeah, if you read the books, because you just told me that the, in the books the elves don't show up; it's just them, mm, mm. which is way more bleak. But also, for an audience perspective, that's kind of a huge downer, and it's less like you have to do a lot of like trusting your audience to be like, okay, these guys can just pull it off type situation until or yeah. not getting immediately obliterated. And also, you want some type of like audience like. Oh man, maybe, just maybe, like type thing. Like, cause that's how yeah. I felt when the, the elves showed up and they're like, I'm like, oh, I know how elves are. They're all crazy. So maybe they might be able to pull this off. To, cause that's how I felt personally, yeah. Yeah. not reading the books, but seeing this because I knew, cause I think a good thing is way before that, or not way before that, but before that, Aragorn gives his speech to the king cause he's, cause. Mm -hmm. Mm. And which I think is one of the profound sp speeches of like, or not speeches, but just talks of like all of the movies and stuff. If mm. we're talking that, because, you know, they both realize what's happening. They're both in the reality of the situation, but rather yeah. than like the King who just kind of gave up, uh, Aragorn's like, nah, we need to, we need to handle our shit. <laughs> this is going to suck. We are probably going to die. But we still mm -hmm. need to handle our shit. Like, oh, we got to do it anyways. Yeah, we have to do this. Like, and I'm all about it. Because that's the thing is, yeah, I I do, I think half of this is Viggo Mortensen's per, uh, performance too. Because it yep. did feel like he was kind of scared. But he also knew what he had to do. Where While yeah. the king, I, I forget the guy's name who uh, uh, did, who the actor is. The king is Theoden. Uh, the actor is Bernard Hill. Yeah, Bernard Hill. Uh, yeah, the actor. Um, but he did a, such a good job of. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm tired. Like it actually, he's like, I'm tired. I, I don't know what. Like, there's nothing. I'm too old. I'm too. I don't got anything. I'm tired. Yeah. And you know, obviously, Vigo's character is like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> You're the king here. Like, I I mm -hmm. get it. I get it. You had a bad time, but you know, we, we gotta, we gotta see this through. We gotta go down fighting in other words. And I'm like, I I'm all about that. I like, I like that. Even, even uh, I think, uh, didn't he convince uh, his daughter to be like, no, you, you can pick up this sword. You could do it. Go ahead. Type of situation. Eowyn, um, I know. A not, I know. Not. Yeah. I know a lot of people are like weird on Eowyn, but I no, also no, no. kind of like just that like too. I'm just trying to you know be accurate in how it's depicted. So he he Eowyn wants to fight. Yeah. Eowyn wants to have a sword, and he's just like, I get it. You're going to be more useful elsewhere, and she does not like that. Yeah, as a as an answer. Um, man, oh god, I love Eowyn's um little monologue about you know, uh, I do not fear death. Oh yeah, yeah, cage until yeah. Uh, where I will be forced to sit placidly until time has left me behind yeah. and I no longer care for 
for glory. And it's like the the Rohan as a culture is very Viking. You know, yeah. they're they're very like Valhalla, like yeah. d- death and glory and battle. Death! Um, death! Which <laughs> doesn't always work for me. Really works for me here. Like yeah. this is like the the good version of it uh, to me. And ah, yeah, Eowyn is so great. Ah. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, this is gonna play out later. Uh, oh yeah, I can't um, wait. But uh, and then um, so uh, I I also want to make it aside because um, my wife and I have a faux rivalry slash argument that uh is perpetual and ongoing. Uh, mm-hmm. where she champions Rohan and I champion Gondor just as a uh, quote unquote best civilization. Oh, see, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to be on uh, your wife's side because I champion Go- uh, Rohan as well. I, I, Rohan yeah. is unquestionably better in terms of like the people who are in charge are good people and do a bunch of dope shit. Yeah. And so like, obviously. Right. And I also like um, their theme. Uh, I love the theme of theme. Uh, we gotta Rohan. we gotta do a tight five on the music. Yeah, because, like, oh the we music will. In we'll, these movies we, are... Yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna get there. But yeah yeah. But um, but like, yeah, like there's a lot to like about Rohan. Um, but Gondor is my particular flavor because I love a, um. Uh, a, a civilization with ancient roots that's past its prime and mm. in decline. I love the empty streets of Minas Tirith. Mm-hmm. I love how it's got all this abandoned opulence. I love, uh, you know, the the monologue that Gandalf has talking about Denethor counting the lines of his ancestors more dear than his sons. Mm-hmm. And, like... There's a profound sadness to it that I just like r- that really resonates with me. I love um how past their prime Gondor is and how most of it is falling into ruin mm-hmm. and unable to live up to the glory of the past. If that glory ever existed at all in the way that they talk about it. Um uh, spoiler it did because because <laughs> we have access to all that history yeah. and all the stuff but like um, but then like shining through are like these brief little flashes of like what they could be mm-hmm. or who they used to be uh, and those echoes of old glory like just really speaks to me yeah also Denethor is a little shit and I love him yeah he's... he sucks so bad well, that's <laughs> It's to great. me, I, I like um, this. Well, I, I, I don't want to take too much away from you because obviously this is this is all you. But I did mm. want to comment on that a little bit because I found that I like for me personally, I am like a big uh, like a proponent kind of guy when it comes to monarchy stuff. Uh, hmm. because I find that very fascinating. You're going to have to explore. You're going to have to more clearly define what you mean by I'm a big proponent of monarchy. No, well, I'm getting into that. You just cut me and I'm not like, you just said you're a big proponent of monarchies. No, like, well, stuff like <laughs> in that, like stuff like in that. Fiction. Yeah. And stories and stuff, because I find that like the history of that kind of stuff, very fascinating. 
because <laughs> and I think the Lord of the Rings as a whole kind of does like like it without telling you what is like kind of the right answer, but kind of telling you what's the right answer. It shows you, okay, this is kind of what a good king is supposed. This is what a king is supposed to do. This is <laughs> usually what a king ends up being, and like Denethor, because you know it, he's that kind of a guy, and he just completely gives up and doesn't care. All he cares about, like you said before, is like, nah, we just gotta win, and by any means. And if you're not gonna do what I say, then what good are you? Type situation. Um, and I and obviously I think it's John Noble who I love that actor anyway. So good. Uh, I think he was perfect. But it's like, yeah, it's almost funny, like because mm. of how he just dismisses his son. <laughs> it's almost oh, yeah. funny how he does because he's just like, you know what? I don't actually care. He's like, you could <laughs> die, and I. He's like, he's like, would it, you'd rather be like that whole. You know, that whole uh, quote, he's like, would you rather me have died instead of uh, Boromir? He's like, yes, I wish that. And I was like, that's so lame, man. Don't don't, don't say that out loud. Yeah, he's like, that's so Think lame. Think that privately. Yeah, that's so lame, man. And he said it in <laughs> front of, like, everybody. Up. He didn't even care. Like, there's such an energy of just, like, Faramir, my son. Do we have any Doritos? And Faramir's like, we have Cool Ranch, my lord. And he's like... <laughs> Boromir would have yeah, yeah, yeah. nacho cheese. Me, meanwhile, Boromir would have brought me the flavor worthy of Gondor. Meanwhile, he's literally just like licking his <laughs> fingers like intensely with like the Cheetos he's eating. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of garbage. Oh yeah. Fuck Denethor. Oh well, God, yeah, I mean I he gets so it much. obviously, but I, which I laughed out loud when I saw that. I was like, I can't believe this. It's, it's actually funny. So, like, um, a difference between the book and the movie. First of all, like, um, let, let me let me just paint a word picture. In the movie, Denethor is trying to burn himself and his son alive mm-hmm. uh, because he's totally given up. The, the White Tower of Ecthelion, which is this big spike that's at the very top mm-hmm. of uh, Minas Tirith. Um, he's got this big tower that's up there. And people will talk about seeing weird lights flashing up there. And they say that that's where Denethor reaches out his mind to wage battle with the Dark Lord. And they're actually, like, accidentally totally right. Like, this rumor is correct. (laughs) What's happening is that Denethor has the Palantir. And he's able to use that basically as a weapon of war. He's doing information research and reconnaissance. The problem is that Sauron has a Palantir and has basically corrupted the Palantir network. Yeah. And so he is able to influence what Denethor sees. He can't outright lie. He can't show him something that isn't true, but he can direct his view to paint uh, 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 an unflattering picture, Mm -hmm. you know, an unrealistic depiction of a situation to make things seem worse and scarier than they are. Yeah, he can always, whenever he's looking out, like something like he can always show him that everybody's losing. Everybody's dying all the time. Exactly, that things are hopeless. Yeah. And in this most recent read of it, you know, I'm doing that and I'm like, oh my God, Denethor's just doom scrolling. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what he's doing. My man is doom scrolling and he has absolutely black pilled and given up. And yeah. he's just like, uh-uh, I'm just gonna 
Yeah, uh, know, uh, that's uh, exactly uh, how you you just said it. Uh uh-uh. uh, mm-hmm. that is his uh-uh. entire character. Uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> I know, but like it, it's it's done really like yeah, to me weirdly sympathetically where it's just like you are wrong every step of the way but like i understand your fear and i understand why you yeah how you got here uh you're also a bad father that's a different thing yeah but, uh, <laughs> but i mean but that, i think that is very i uh, like fascinating in my like like i said uh, going back to what yeah. i was gonna what i was saying before and Mm-mm, before I, you could I, clarify this was, this was that the- this was the setup so I can say the thing I was actually trying to say. Okay. <laughs> so, the point is, this is the difference between how Denethor dies in the movie versus the book. Okay. In the book, in the movie, Denethor is trying to burn himself and his son after everything that I just said. And uh, Gandalf's horse rears up and he, like, kicks him in a weird, in the weirdest shot of the movie <laughs> that I don't think it flows well. Uh, and then Denethor like has that moment of reconciliation where he's like, oh my God, what have I done? And then he catches fire. And then the next shot of him is running off of the parapet as the camera zooms out with, which like the intention of it is to show ultimately how small and meaningless he was where Mm -hmm. Denethor dies. And it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of this battle that is waging, which is like worthy conceptually, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is that the 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 burial halls are about one kilometer away from the parapet. And so just the sheer logistics of how far he has to run always makes me laugh. It's very funny to me. So okay. uh, th- I don't love that scene is what I'm saying. It's like one of the few that I kind of have some quibbles with. Okay. In the book, this is awesome. The book, um, Denethor dies... Where basically they're like, we're we're taking Faramir. And he's like, fine. I'm still burning myself. And he gets onto the, the funeral pyre. Mm-hmm. And he takes the Palantir. And he lies down on it and immolates himself. And then there's just like a brief aside, which is like, to anyone who uh, attempted to use the Palantir in the future, all they got was a vision of burning hands clutching the orb. Wow. And I'm just like, oh, that, oh, that's so metal. Wow. That's hardcore. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's like a ghost story. Yeah. And it's just, it's very cool to me. I just love it. All that. right. Okay. Cool. Uh, so it, it's way more, like, it's way less cinematic, but way more, I, I guess way more if, like, if it's like a, if you want to talk lasting impression versus, like, burst, <laughs> bursts. Yeah. Like, it's like the last ends. line of a ghost story. Yeah. You know, snuck in there. Yeah. Um, which is just, it's very cool and evocative. I don't think you could have translated that to the screen. No, I not think really. they were right to make some changes. Um, With, not without narration, and nobody needed, and that's not. Like, yeah, we're uh, not going to start now. Yeah, we wouldn't do that now. Um, so, yeah. But, it, but it's really cool on the page, is okay. what I'm saying. All right. Yeah. That does sound, it sounds different enough that it would be, like, I don't. Th- like, cause you got me thinking, how would they do that? Translate that. And I don't, not without having some type of narration or something or people yeah. in the know getting it, but it wouldn't really make sense to everybody else. Or writing a new scene where someone tries to use that Palantir and is just like, shit's haunted. Yeah. Not, not doing that. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be worth it, so, but it's cool. Yeah. So it, it's very like, but yeah, what I was like saying, and just, this is 
really quick is I just find that very interesting of the different types like the I think like I think not me and you but I think maybe me and your wife talked about mm. this at one point like just just the realms of men and like she was like yeah I, I'm not about that and I'm like I get it however I do find mm. it fascinating because it's like, why do we, and like I said, this is just something I find fascinating because I like a lot of yeah. adventure stories like from Alexander Dumas and uh, he's like my favorite author and he does a lot of stuff during the French, with the French kings and stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, why do we hate kings in monarchy so much? Oh, because usually in actual history, they suck. Just gestures vaguely to history. Yeah, it's like, yeah, because they suck. But then, you know, obviously this is fiction, but, you know, Tolkien, he, he says, well, yeah, but this is what a king should be. Y'all love, like, Aragorn. And I'm like, yeah, mm. it, but, you know, but that also is open-ended in the way because he is going to age. So who knows what's going to mm. come down the line and everything like that. And who knows what people are going to turn into, not necessarily what they are now. And that puts yep. like a whole big thing. And I'm like, that's always really interesting to me because we, you know, we all would love a, like an Aragorn type hero, basic. Cause let's be completely honest. Sure. He is the hero <laughs> in mm, everything. Mm. There's tons of heroes, but he is the hero. He is the man. He's the archetypal hero. He's King Arthur. Yeah. You know, except not necessarily an asshole in his, you know, <laughs> in his selfishness. But that's oh. another that's another thing. We could talk about what's he, he's like later. Uh, <laughs> idealized, yeah. you know, he's the platonic ideal of a king. Like if it's, if someone's like, imagine a good king. Yeah, like but that's Aragorn. To me, I like that idea because it's like imagine a good king. But I'm like, well, the only reason why he's a good king is because he's a good man. <laughs> So yeah, very much. he's even without his king status until they, everybody finds out and they're like, what? <laughs> he's like, nah, nah, nah. He, he's busy doing this. Like the, the hand cutting the, the throat thing, like yeah. the entire time, mm -hmm. like, please don't say that. <laughs> but you know, he's like, he's was awesome even before that though. So I'm like always fascinated. It's like, um, because there are some people that will willingly take that role and say, ah, this is my responsibility. And then there's people like Frodo, who's like, nah, I'm kind of done. Or, and the, I mean, oh, it, I mean, even oh, at the end, yeah, at, at the, the end, end yeah. it even like even before Frodo, because I know this from like, you know, Hobbit and even at the end of the movie where you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bilbo, who is also like that kind of a selfless hero but he's also like i think that's pretty cool because he just like i just want to live in my house <laughs> i just want to totally and and i have something that i love <laughs> about these books is that like hobbits culturally yeah are depicted as just like here's what they like they like to eat they like to drink they like to fuck they like to vibe they yeah they like they to party wanna, they just want a garden yeah and party and it's prime cottage core. It. It's prime cottage it's core. So, the cottage core energy is huge. <laughs> and then, like, it's more textual in the book, but it's also true in the movies. Yeah. Like, it's explicitly like, no, hey, it's me, the king of the West. Um, I will do everything in my power to make sure that the hobbits 
get to keep that. Mm-hmm. Like, that is something that I value. It is important that there is a culture in the world that is not warlike, that, like, mm-hmm. just wants to be little guys who vibe. Like, isn't that aspirational? Why would anyone want anything other than that? Like, we should all try to be hobbits. Like, they're presented as, mm-hmm. like, well, a... a a good in a way that i love yeah it which is very interesting how you said that it's like we should all want to be hobbits because i'm like i i don't know if this was intentional but Mm. it's one of those things because i agree with you and yet i don't agree with you but like i said my opinions don't necessarily matter in this situation but i want to say my two cents anyway because it's on my mind Mm. of I, I like the fact that, yeah, everybody, like, yeah, the hobbits are, like, idealized. But also, there's mm-hmm. people out in the world that want to protect that. It's it's like, yeah, yeah we're not I- like that. But I also find value in that. So I'm going to protect that that part of, like, the world and everything. Totally. And everything. And I, I find that very cool because, like, for, I don't know, like, that's something I am like a big proponent of using it in the right sense uh mm-hmm. i am a big proponent of protecting like like uh these different cultures and different societies that maybe the world has forgotten about and stuff like that i'm like no there's value in that there's value in yeah. certain places where they only speak this type of language like some places in like the south Amer- south america where the like the indigenous culture is so small now to it's like mm. less than a hundred and they only speak this specific language. I'm like, I find that very fascinating. I'm like, okay, who is on this in protecting that culture? And we have cultures mm. here. Like we live in America for anybody who's listening, who doesn't live here. Um, like we have cultures here, indigenous cultures here where they're very small, very unique, very this, very that. And I'm like, mm. All of these just should be, you know, valued and protected because I would want that. Yeah, because I would want that for my own culture. I Mm -hmm. continuously want that for my own culture. Like, absolutely. And when I say cultivated, I don't mean that we need like people to come in and, you know, and uh, that, uh, yeah, better than them. They need to be given the opportunity and means to thrive. Yeah. Um, and and that is and that's going to differ depending on what's going on, uh, because mm-hmm. you can very easily do the wrong thing for the greater good, like in your eyes and stuff. Sure. And so sure. there's a lot of collaboration to that. But I am always I've always had that. And I love that aspect of the Lord of the Rings world where it's just like yeah, there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of different types of cultures. There's a lot of different types of stuff going on, creatures and mm-hmm like magical people in you know the wizards are their own thing and you know it's sure it's are. crazy and yet everybody's like yeah i know who you are oh yeah i know who you are i ain't trying to come in and there and do stuff unless like obviously you're like a sauron type person but then he has his own issues when he's creating like orcs and uh no the no, way mm-hmm. is it it's not does he create the orcs or does he create the orakai or is that both the same uh, so you said Sauron. I think you meant Sauron. Saruman. Saruman is the one Saruman. who the Uruk-hai. Yes, Sauron is the big eye. Uh, Correct. But yeah, that's what I meant. Yes, you knew who I meant. But um, um, yeah, I just find that cool too. So I was like, oh man, 
Yeah, you're, so, you're speaking a lot. I I agree with everything that you're saying. The distinction that I'm making is like me specifically like trying to relay Tolkien's worldview, mm. which is like I was involved in one of the world wars and then you know i i witnessed world war ii as well mm-hmm. um are we not fighting for a world without this are we not yeah. fighting for a world without war are we not fighting for uh, a world where we can truly live in peace and coexistence and wouldn't that be admirable like isn't there a nobility in the ability to live in peace genuinely mm-hmm. like not the illusion of it like a, a a real society of peace and that's them that's that's yeah. the hobbits and everyone in fiction is like yeah like that is valuable that is precious oh, yeah. and that does need to be protected like because you know, God willing, we will be able to join them one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, th- that's, I, I agree with that. Like you kind of broke down like the whole uh, idea of what, like, uh, I guess of like what Tolkien is saying. Well, one of the things he's saying, he's saying a lot, but mm-hmm. one of the things he's saying is, yeah, like we've been through, a, I've, I've been through a lot, which means we've all been through a lot. Mm-hmm. This should be the end the end game right here. This right. society this should we, be the end game here. This is what we're working towards. Yeah. You know, we we are not there yet, but we're always working towards that, which is why we always need that as a model type situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um I also love how the hobbits are depicted as not warlike. They are not warlike in their natures. Um but they are crafty and they're resourceful Mm -hmm. and they're resilient and they're determined and they are able to you know uh uh uh, fight for for themselves when needed um as someone who's only watched the movies and not read the books you probably are only tangentially familiar with the scouring of the shire um, yeah which is yeah i've been told the, the yeah yeah, so there's a bonus epilogue after the ring has been destroyed when the hobbits return uh, back home and they discover that Saruman uh, has beaten them there and is in the process of industrializing the Shire mm-hmm. and also has created a like bureaucratic system of oppression yeah. with the Like he basically intent- enslaved them. It's it's more like a serfdom. There's it's very rules and bureaucracy yeah. focused. Like it's uh having just I just watched the movie Brazil for the first time. Really? It's got some shades of Brazil. Really? Ruled. Oh, I, I can't believe you I, just I watched about this. Brazil. It's crazy that I had it. Yeah, it's like so Brazil is like one of the best <laughs> films like ever considered. It totally rules. Wow, that's um, but there's very like shades of but, that okay. like bureaucracy yeah. and paperwork and like that kind of it's a very British no, you, idea yeah, yeah. of like a dystopia. Yeah. Oh, he to, just to, he basically just like, oh, oh, I know how to write this. That's what Tolkien oh, basically totally. did. I know how to um, write this. So that's the situation that the Shire is under when the hobbits return from home, and then our our main quartet, you know, their power, what they bring to it 
is them looking at it and b- them being like, this is wrong and you know it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. And then, you know, there's a bunch of people who are like, ah, oh, but the rules. And it's just like, fuck the rules if this is what you get from the rules. Yeah. Like, look at this. It's ridiculous. Um, the Scouring of the Shire always surprises me in how much I enjoy it on the page because it's basically like a miniature seven samurai yeah. kind of rules. Um, but yeah, like uh, it, it, it's also like very cool to see that and to see like another aspect of like the hobbits and their resiliency and the way that they fight for themselves. And then when the battle is over and they have taken back the Shire, you know, they bury the dead and they honor them and then they go back to their lives of peace. Yeah. Um, they go back to doing what like, they've been doing. So exactly. Yeah. Um, hashtag yes. <laughs> and, hashtag good job. Yeah. Hashtag admirable. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I know we're not talking about the Hobbit right now, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Uh, that is one of my probably favorite parts of the second film, The Desolation of Smog or Smaug. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. Thank you for pronouncing it yes, correctly. Yes, I, I know. But uh, I at least know and that. And it's Gandalf. It, Gandalf. Gandalf. It's Gandalf. Not Gandalf. <laughs> it's Gandalf. Gandalf. <laughs> but uh, I love the um, the talk. It's it's such a small scene between um, Bilbo and I guess the older white bearded uh, dwarf when they're in right. when they go in the door mm-hmm. and he's kind of just explaining, okay, this is what you really got to do and all this kind of stuff. And Bilbo's kind of psyching himself up. And mm-hmm. I, I love this scene because it literally just explains how the hobbits are. Is It's just, yep. he's like, I am terrified. But he's like, no, 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 I can do this. I can do this. I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm going to help you guys. I came to help and I, I want to help. And I was like, I, I love that scene. It like always kind of, and I, it, it's, the scene is just masterfully crafted in my opinion too, because of the music and all the lighting and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. just like, yes. And it definitely br- builds up that tension. Um, but also it just lets it kind of breathe too. Um, because yeah. you know, it's just one more person like looking at a hobbit and saying, man, you guys are like something else. Like you guys you are guys weirdly have it all figured out. Yeah. You out. guys kind of, you guys are, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. Like you guys really kind of know what you're doing. Like you got and, and life, that's, and that's such a thing about hobbits is that everyone constantly underestimates them. Yeah, the hint basically towards the beginning, anyway, of how hobbits really are is like hobbits can just walk right past you and you barely notice. They like you yeah. literally wouldn't notice them. So they're they're just. It's not that they're tiptoeing around. They're just that tiny and that pleasant that they're not making that much of a problem they're never a problem they just walk past you won't even notice they're there and i feel but at the same time when they do make it known it's like almost a big deal because people never see hobbits (laughs) they know they exist but they're like why are you out here (laughs) much is made of them basically being able to choose to be invisible just by being very quiet and sneaky yeah they're just, they're small and quiet and can get away with, like, damn near anything. Like, they are really excellent burglars if they wanted to be. Yeah. They just don't want to be. Yeah. 
which is why it's so interesting because like i just love how the dwarves treat like bilbo it's like mm-hmm. yeah bilbo's like never been anywhere because obviously hobbits are never anywhere you never see them anywhere except yeah. in their in their world in their realm in their in their little place mm-hmm. So anytime they're anywhere, it's like a huge deal for everybody. <laughs> I always think that's funny. Like everybody's yeah. like, whoa, whoa, wait, you're a hobbit. What's going down? Like, why are what's you like, out here? <laughs> yeah, why are you here? Are you real? Yeah. And it's just like, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like comparative to everybody else, like even a human, they look like children. They look like toddlers running around half the time. So it's just like, you no, know, a human would definitely just pass by them and they're like, Unless you're looking for them, it's like crazy. So I always appreciated how they're depicted in the entirety of Lord of the Rings. They're always depicted the same mm-hmm. of, oh my goodness, like handle with care. Like these people are really <laughs> special. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, they're great. Love a hobbit. Yeah. And they also apparently people love that they're barefoot all the time. So. Also, hell yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of my youth barefoot. Not and because I of hate Hobbit, it. <laughs> but just And I just hate being barefoot. I, did. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I love having I do have weird, wide feet. Genuinely, where it's just like, someone's like, what's your shoe size? It's like, man, I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, it is nine in length. It's like 11 in width. Like, really? It's, they're real wide feet. You kind of have And they are hairy. Feet. So, I've been... Untrue, factually untrue. I have been uh, uh, roasted by my parents for having Hobbit feet for uh, my really. Life, so, yeah. uh, well, then again, you're talking to somebody who's like a twelve and a half. So, yeah, you got you got regular. <laughs> yeah, I got regular big feet. You got regular big old feet. I got real wide feet. So you got Tarzan feet and Tarzan toes, which is. Uh, I assume you're talking about Disney's Tarzan, which allow me to to grind on uh tree branches yeah well doug also shout out to doug once again doug also <laughs> has tarzan toes and very hairy that's kind of gross mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he also is like <laughs> but doug has big feet like i do so but yeah that is something that is a sentiment i do not share because i hate going barefoot anywhere <laughs> yeah and everyone I spent, around I spent me spent an entire summer I spent three consecutive months not wearing shoes consciously. I just chose not to, and yeah. I was able to. Ah, uh, no. I don't remember what my reasoning was. I thought it was sweet though. I was nah, like, bro. Yeah. Every, nah, everyone around me is the same. Is the same way. I am mm-hmm. the the lone soul of. Nah, I gotta have something on my feet. I have to be like wearing slippers or something like that. I am oh. not afraid of socks or something like that. And everybody's like, no, no. I want to go barefoot. I want to just go around and te- feel the earth beneath my toes. I'm like, that's gross. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I want to touch grass. And you're like, bad. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. You can touch grass with your face. <laughs> you know, it As I'm rubbing it. Yeah, face you don't have it. to. It doesn't have to be your feet. <laughs> Eat that dirt. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Th- that was in my youth. I'm as an adult, I'm very much a slipper man. I love. Oh, slippers. I love slippers too. I wear through my slippers every year. I'm pulling up my slippers so Corey can see them. Uh, <laughs> Corey, these are my slippers. Um, 
Uh-huh. Wait, hold on and a you second. you can see... Okay, now I can see it. Now I can see it. <laughs> hey, you want to see They are nasty. They are falling apart. I'm showing off the gigantic hole that I've you, got. It's a solid two-inch You want to see mine? Hole. These are mine. Uh-huh. I've had these for years, and now, like, the inside is so oily and gross. It's great. As nasty. It's great. <laughs> However, you've had them for years. These are nine months old. <laughs> what are <So>. you doing? <laughs> Wearing them you every them, day. You use them as combat boots. I uh, go out I'll, stomping, I'll, stomping the yard. I often forget to take my slippers off when I go to like go to the bed. grocery store <laughs> or go to the Not shower. Like going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still have my slippers on, and I'm in the shower. Oh my, look at that! I'm completely mm. naked except for these slippers. Oh well, might yes. as well finish the job. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, are you well, gonna slippers. take your slippers off? No. <laughs> but, but like, that's part of the problem is that, like, my feet are so wide that, like, the sides of shoes are always busting out. Oh. <laughs> it's just how yeah. my feet are shaped. Your feet? Just how my feet are shaped. Your feet are shaped. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. So that's all well and good. That is a good thing. I know we could probably, like, we could probably talk about, like, you know, that question, which is... Like, why do you like it so much, like, forever? There's so many things to talk about. Well, I mean, like, like uh, unless yeah. we're going to go scene by scene and yeah. page by page through it, like, I won't be able to say all the reasons why I like it. But, like, I mean, if I bring it yeah, up, you will. Yeah. But, um, because that's one thing we wanted to touch on real quick is the music. Um, I think it's Howard Shore yes. who does actually all of them, which is, Correct. you know, that's really good. They didn't have to go to, like, other uh composers uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for they just have howard shore just doing the whole thing and it's one of the most recognizable themes in music today almost like i would say just as much mm-hmm. as like the star wars theme or something like that people recognize yeah. the lord of the rings like music uh absolutely so it i will have to say too because i i have stuff to say about this because i I'm a big, huge proponent of music. Uh, music affects me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it is a generator. It is one of, like, maybe three generators of my creativity is listening to music, listening mm-hmm. to soundtracks and everything. And I will have to say that it is uh, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack is God tier. Um, the whole way through, Absolutely. I already mentioned that uh, the theme of Rohan the Riders of Rohan is probably uh-huh. one of my favorite themes ever. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, because it, it it is like whenever I hear that, and I think I was talking, like I said, I was talking about this with Leanne. Uh, cause she's this she's like, Oh, that that theme, it just it wells up in you, and you're just like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, but there's so many themes, there's so much stuff in yeah uh just the music alone in lord of the rings where it's so iconic and so you know apropos if i could use a big word and it's just you may and it's just it's it's so good like i'm just thinking of like all the themes and just the music play by play actually like the it doesn't even start out with the most famous theme it starts out with the theme that is the title which is 
uh, which I used to be able to play a lot of stuff on the piano uh, of Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I probably will have to feel it out now because I haven't, you know, I actually looked at the sheet music in a long time. But I used to be able to play a lot of the themes, um, especially the, like, the theme that everybody knows is like the, the Hobbit's theme, the uh, what you call it. What what is it? Is it actually called the Hobbit's theme, or is it actually somebody's like? So the the Shire theme is called "Concerning Hobbits." Yeah, like, or, the... or rather, the soundtrack that features the most full statement of the Hobbit theme. I want to emphasize that so much of my musical vocabulary is me just learning how to describe <laughs> <laughs> the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. <laughs> um, Can you play any? If of it? I had, if I had a dollar. For every time I was at a wedding where someone walked down the aisle to the song Concerning Hobbits, the fullest statement of the Shire theme, I would have $2, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. You know people, man. (laughs) You know people. (laughs) But hey, Uh, hey, I, I know people in my life who would probably love that if they didn't have that anyway. They're... They're huge, like, Lord of the Rings nerds and stuff like that. I know a lot of nerd, Lord of the Rings nerds. Um, mm-hmm. Like like yourself, that just know stuff and constantly read it and everything. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And that's the thing is, I knew of it. I just never was, you know, obviously into it. Until mm-hmm. I watched, like, like, you kind of made me watch the movies. And I was like, okay, there's some value here. Okay, there's some value here. Okay, this is cool. Okay, that's really cool. Okay, that's cool. Okay, this is not cheesy as I thought it was going to be. Okay, uh, what's her name? Is like uh, the the elf elf princess. What's her name? Uh, uh, Man, I forget her name. Are you talking about Galadriel or Arwen? Uh, Yes, they're both hot. Uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, um, Aragorn is actually a cool guy and he's the hero. So I was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, like everybody was like, the bad guys are actually legit. Um, cause they're like, I ain't playing around. I haven't said anything about ring race. Ring race are so fucking cool. Like nobody's playing around. Like they're like, nah, Mm. if I say I'm going to kill you. I am literally going to stab you. Like, that's mm-hmm. what's happening. I'm not just talking. Like, I, I love the fact of, like, uh, Sauron actually being a legit threat and not just a guy to, like, oh, a yeah. guy to high tower. Like, people are actually legit for afraid of him for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he even has, like, a crazy backstory. And even the rings and the power and how the magic works is crazy and i'm like wow that all makes actual sense i love this because <laughs> as far as as far as like the um you know the lord of the rings has ten thousand years of history and all yeah. that stuff it's just like if you want to know like what makes that cooler than other thing than my world building <laughs> for you know ten thousand years of history it's that sauron is the lieutenant of the actual big bad of the Lord of the yeah. Rings. And he's the major player in this. He's just like the right-hand man. Yeah, oh, I knew that. I did know that because I've had people explain a lot of stuff to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah you hardcore. think that's bad. Uh, <laughs> it's, the, it's the same thing with the dragons, the dragon thing, which I learned on my own oh, a sure. while ago. Of 
Yeah, Smog is awesome. Uh, he's not even close to being the biggest dragon. <laughs> not even no, close. He's the he's like the last of the great dragons. Yeah. But as far as like the history of great dragons, he's small potatoes. Yeah, like quite literally, he's like yeah. tiny compared to uh, like the aforementioned Ancalagon the Black is, is like is the size of a mountain. mountain. Yeah, he's like the size of a mountain. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And in the in the history, didn't they try to? Didn't like the elves or like the elf hero try to fight him or something, or fought him? Yeah, or something like, like that. He got he got soloed by. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this mixed up because I want to say Glorfindel solos a Balrog, which is pretty hardcore. Yeah. And then he shows up in the books. He's the one who uh, brings Frodo to uh, across the Ford of Isen okay. instead of Arwen. Uh, to to the Council of Elrond. Yeah, and then in the Council of Elrond, they're like, "Ah, oh, we should send an elf. How about Legolas?" And it's just like, "Bro, bro, I'm right here. <laughs> pick the guy. Pick the guy. Soul in the Balrog, yeah. bro." Yeah. Um, but you know, of course, it has reasons and stuff. But like, and that's also, like the, and the also all the ridiculously elves are legendary anyway. figure. All the elves are OP. Yeah, all the but, like, elves even are within OP that, anyway. like, yeah, he is a almost cartoonishly legendary figure, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's difficult for me to even think of, like, you know, it's like, oh, oh One Punch Man was on the yeah. <laughs> Council of Elrond. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Well, even, um, what's his name? Like, Elrond himself is kind of hardcore. Mm. You just don't necessarily see it, but... Absolutely. Even him, like, you know, because I love, like, we, we used to make fun of this all the time, of, like, um... Like that one scene, like towards the beginning, mm. where, where Elrond is like, "What? What's his name?" He's like, "Throw it into the fire, destroy it." No, uh -huh. and then Isildur just goes, "No, no. forget it." Forget <laughs> 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 and he's like, "Isildur!" And he's like, "Oh, stupid idiots!" That's like what he's just talking about the whole time. Yeah, it's like everyone. And then it flashes idiot. back to the present day, and he's just like. On that day, 3,000 years ago, I really should have pushed this. Yeah, I know. Volcano. I really should have done should have just done it. And just been like, oopsie daisy. <laughs> Shrug. <Butterfingers. laughs> Shrug. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, that happened. <laughs> um, that's another one of my favorite lines uh, of it where, um, you know, in the Council of Elrond, they're recounting all of the history that led to this moment, including Melkor, the actual big bad, mm -hmm. who is basically like the Lucifer figure, yeah. you know, almost like a fallen god, like, uh, and then Sauron, who is his lieutenant, and like all of the centuries and millennia of mm -hmm. battles and back and forth. Um, and I want to say it's Elrond describes, you know. Uh, you know, the many years and many victor uh the many years and the many defeats and many fruitless victories, you know. Yeah. Just like this this like cosmic pointlessness the to all the conflict when you have a lifespan of that age. Yeah. You know, when you are able to truly see the big picture and just see like, yeah, like the things that mattered, like we we allowed to fester and rot and grow malignant, and now here we are again. Yeah. Which is um, also really I always find really cool. And that was obviously on purpose too. Just the like I said, I go back to 
everybody is just about time. Like, there's so many perspectives mm -hmm. on time. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, he's just like, oh, it's too much. He's like, here we go again type situation. Totally. But at the like, same the, time, the, which is funny, like, the one thing that throws, like, throws him off is like, but you guys do have a hobbit here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's so interesting. He's like, you guys do have him. Especially when yeah. he's like, I'll take the ring. And he's like, huh. <laughs> that's interesting. We actually have a hobbit. And then it's like, actually, you've got four hobbits. And yeah. he's like, that's too many hobbits. Yeah, yeah, basically. We don't need that many. <laughs> and, and basically, everybody's like, yeah, you do. Ah, they're here already. Yeah, they're well, here already. Right. We can't send them home. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I, yeah. I let's let's leave, let's talk more about the music though, because like yeah, I, I didn't mean to divert. Oh away no, from that. No man, this is this is the this is what the talk is all about. Just geeking out about all it, right? So, um, <clears throat> I think there's a very real argument to be made that the the Lord of the Rings score by Howard Shore is the greatest film score in cinema history. Um, and by oh, that, that what, I that don't all? just mean the <laughs> I don't just mean the one that I like the uh -oh. most, but I mean like the Bro. most complete, the most robust. Um. You know, uh, people, when, when talking about music, you know, there's a motif, which is mm -hmm. just a recurring bit of music. And then there's leitmotif, which is a recurring bit of music that has meaning to mm -hmm. it, right? So you're watching Pacific Rim, and you hear, da 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 That means that there's a Jaeger on the screen. Yeah. That, that's the Jaeger sound. And then you hear the, da 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 That's the kaiju music. That happens when kaiju's on screen. And for most movies, you can really only develop maybe two leitmotifs just due to the runtime, right? Mm -hmm. You need something that's longer form in order to really flesh out all of these different nuances. And that's like the big strength of franchises to me. Star Wars is allowed to develop all of these wonderful themes mm -hmm. and then weave them in and out. And they mean something when you hear them. Yes. And that's really cool. I really love that. This is distinct from like a movie where it's just got like a recurring song mm -hmm. or, 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 you know, whatever. Um, it's the meaning that makes a leitmotif a leitmotif. And the Lord of the Rings has the best leitmotifs in cinema as far as I'm concerned. There's so many of them. Each major culture gets its own leitmotif. Um, as well as, like, different, like, I even, like, ideas or concepts will get their own. Like, the ring has its own mm -hmm. theme. And then, like, um, sailing across the sea has a theme mm -hmm. and the way that they're developed and evolve and like they have context is all so cool. Um, like the things that I'll come back to are during the council of Elrond, Boromir gets up and starts talking about Gondor mm -hmm. and the great need that they have and the nobility of those people who, you know, by their blood are your land safe. Um, and there's just a single solo horn playing the theme of Gondor. Yeah. And that's the first time that you hear it. And it's the only time you hear it in the in uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. And they just, 
they had the foresight to write this score as like this total work mm-hmm. and as a result it's just totally seamless and unified which and they're they did, able which, to which quick aside they did do for all the movies anyway they kind of filmed them all at once so that yeah. definitely helps that there was no time in between absolutely they just decided to go hard in the paint and he's decided to make a giant epic how you make a giant epic <laughs> so they did decide to break their foot off in it yeah well, put their foot in it. Yeah. Break their foot. Put their foot in it. <laughs> break their foot off is actually like I'm gonna put my break my foot right up your off your ass. I'm trying. It's all right. It's, it's just kid. funny to hear. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny to hear it from you. Um, uh, but like, yeah, they they. Uh, it is important to conceptualize that both like the books and the films are a single unified work. Yeah. Right. The Lord of the Rings is the whole thing. It's not three books in a series. It's a single story being told. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that they were able to film it in that way and then release it the way that they did um, is an absolute miracle. And again, like I can't just rehash everything from the behind the scenes, but like the the development of it was so tumultuous and bizarre and the fact that it came out the way it did is such a miracle um mm-hmm. yeah and, and that absolutely extends to the soundtrack um the, the way that you were talking about yeah. you know it was all kind of composed simultaneously and able to build off of itself yeah um and i love it the um you know the 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 most famous example that i would say is during the battle of helm's deep where you've got three factions you've got rohan and the elves of lothlorien defending the keep while the orcs of isengard are attacking and depending on the ebb and flow of the battle all of those themes will weave in and out Mm -hmm. um and it's so fucking cool oh yeah like i can't emphasize enough it's the best thing in the world like it's well how like going back to Helm's Deep, how that whole sequence, and it's a here's the thing, mind you, it's a battle sequence, which is you know how I am yeah. about like fight sequences and smart combat in film, yeah, um, especially on this grand of a scale because this is like the I think one of the first times modern giant battles are depicted in on like a grand scale like how peter jackson did it like he's now it's famous the for first it now. modern that's why i said modern large scale battle of this kind yeah because like in the, in the behind the scenes there's a lot of talk about the software massive yeah which was developed for this purpose but previously like battles of this scale were not really possible yeah uh well not yeah not this scale because you would need i mean like i said yeah. they don't have that kind of like a technology back yeah. then they had big battles and stuff but it was very much you know we need a lot of extras <laughs> so, yeah exactly like th- there there wasn't a cheat yeah it, uh, and you can only, which means you can only result, do it once yeah <laughs> yeah but if you want to battle with ten thousand people plus that's a tall order plus uh magic plus creatures plus things mm. flying around plus you know and yeah. you also you have to make it exciting enough that people aren't going to lose themselves in it. 
So totally like your audience. And we can is... like com- as a, as a modern audience, we can complain about like ah, oh, there was just a big CGI battle and it had a bunch of stuff and it and it was like it was a Marvel fight and you know yeah. some stuff happened, but who cares? This really was like you we had not collectively seen something like this when it came out and it's arguably still hasn't been topped like what an amazing yeah um like it well i would say yeah uh with the the certain theme the theming in these battles yeah it probably hasn't been topped um Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of giant battles that i'd say were really good but this one especially helms deep like i said um helms deep is how that whole sequence plays out is absolutely phenomenal. And a lot of it has yeah. to do with the music. <laughs> 100%. Uh, I would say, oh man, I'd say almost half of it is the music. And I, I put it that high because mm-hmm. um, the music puts you in the mindset. For me anyway, music puts me in the mindset. And the it kept getting worse. I mean, not the music mm-hmm. getting worse, but it kept getting more dire. It kept getting more dire. The sharp notes kept hitting, hitting, hitting. And then all of a sudden, and you, everybody knows the sequence when the light shows off in the distance and you're like, oh yeah, all of a sudden everything turned the music. Somebody just like turned the whole music around, like all like yeah. literally just turned the sheets around and said, okay, now we're going back up. And I was like, yeah. You, you you get that full statement of the Rohan yeah. theme. Uh, oh, That's what I said. The Rohan been... theme, man. <laughs> it is one of the most triumphant things, uh, like pieces of music that I've heard. That, like, yeah, it's in my top maybe five of things that consistently make me tear up. Yeah, it, it's one of the things that consist. It's one of the pieces of music that consistently make me tear up. So I consider that a win. Absolutely. <laughs> Take your W, guys. Uh, Take your W. There, there's a half dozen of those moments where it's just like everything comes together into like, you know, these perfect movie moments. Yeah. Uh, it's What's crazy is just like, oh, we're talking about how incredible that soundtrack is during this Charge of the Rohirrim. It's not even the best charge of the Rohirrim. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you heard me say death earlier. <laughs> which is another turn of the whole whole franchise it's amazing yes yeah uh spectacular yeah uh and i have not even mentioned that um 100 of the time uh my wife does cry when theoden at theoden's death oh yeah i think i think i i remember us talking about this literally years ago probably almost eight eight to yep. ten years ago we we were talking about still this true. and it's still i i don't i don't doubt that and like i said i believe half of that is the music's fault good job on you oh, music yeah. take your win take your w howard you uh, are you still this is still good <laughs> it still it's works ex- exceedingly good yeah uh yeah book book or film always gets her yeah oh really let me yeah. tell you that makes it that that's hard when is you're trying to put your wife to bed and you're like, okay, we got to carve out time for Theoden's death because you will be crying during it. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, hmm, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's correct. Mm. That is correct. Yeah, I will be crying. Okay. Uh, I am going to transition. We're going to cut it, 
cut it uh, here a little bit because the music is great. We we know this. We're like, yes. Uh, okay, now the question. Now the question. And this is going to be the question slash we're going to just talk up like geek kind of geek out about like famous quotes and you know funny stuff like actually in the movie uh-huh, and stuff uh-huh. who is your favorite character i don't know don't give me that <laughs> <laughs> you know the assignment you wrote it down and i've been trying to think of it in the background it's like i don't know yeah um, i know and and this is and i i just want to say out to like the masses uh, mm. this is really hard for Adam because Adam likes to think about really things hard. and he's not good on the spot. Cause he's like, no, I want to be a complete, like I want to have my com- thoughts complete and everything like that. And that's not a I bad thing. That's not a hard like I can you. stand by my opinion yeah. tomorrow. You want to I be able to do it. I and I, I love the fact that it's like, nah, nah, man, you with all your knowledge and all your <laughs> talk <laughs> and all this love that you have for this franchise this story Uh this everything and you're saying that you don't have a favorite character that you could see yourself in or what have you what can i say too much long bottom leaf my 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 love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed so you would be a hobbit then Look, I think I think the answer has I'm pull, to be. I'm gonna pull a TMZ on you. I'm gonna, so you're gonna be a Hobbit then, huh? Which Hobbit are it's you? Prob- it's probably got to be Sam. Okay, I was gonna um, say, is it Sam or Sam's wife? Uh, <laughs> Rosie ain't in this exactly. story. She's barely in it. Um, and like, hey, I know that people are like, oh, there's a queer reading of the Lord of the Rings where it's just like, oh, are Sam and Frodo actually a thing? On the page. Like, it's like, I'm not convinced a straight reading is possible. These guys are so... <laughs> it's not a sexual relationship, well, but they are in love. Well, here's like, the thing. 100%. What is the problem with that? <laughs> like, oh, no, no, no. No one's saying we anything about a problem. No, no, no. What is the problem? Like, people act like two, like, guys, like us, for example, can't love each other in that way. Can't, like, cry on each other's shoulders. Can't be like... Mm. Oh mm. man, I, I love you, man. We're probably about to die. I love you, man. I would not be anywhere Absolutely. here else, like anywhere with anybody else but you, because uh, that's literally what happened, by the way. Uh, but mm-hmm. and mm. it's one of the most emotional parts of the story, and it they sell it because that's how they they are. They sell the friendship, the deep friendship, the entire time. That's what I they like. Absolutely do. I'm arguing that they are like beyond. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like oh man. Um, yeah, they're they're having. I'm not sex saying while that not they're looking. horny for them, <laughs> but like they are, they are romantically involved. Like here's the thing: at the end of the books, it Frodo's just like Sam. I'm going to go to the Grey Havens and I'm going to sail across yeah. the the seas because you can't be married to me and Rosie at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and like. It's that's basically text. I'm not really paraphrasing yeah. that much. It's like they're so in love with each other. Um, they're constantly holding hands. They're constantly doing like I don't know. I understand the relationship that Tolkien was writing for, and he, I don't think he was intending it as queer. Uh, but like it's extremely on the page. Yeah. Uh, I feel the same way. I've talked. I think about the book, The Haunting of Hill House. 
where they're just like, oh, like if you squint at it, like uh, you could see that these characters, uh, you know, might be lesbians. And it's mm-hmm. just like, I don't know how you could read it any other way. <laughs> like they're yeah. very clearly romantically obsessed with each other. Yeah. Um, well, I also think I, I've always read that as like that very, very close relationship of two people that have been in war together and survived. Absolutely. You would be that and, close and like, to somebody like that who like literally went through hell together. Yeah. And I think that's what he was trying to get at, which ends up being a thing. If you talk to any type of veteran who made mm-hmm. it through with people, totally. It's like, yeah, that's my brother. That's my fam. That is my blood. Even though that we're not blood, we grew up in the womb together type situation. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to hold hands with them because I literally carried them. Like we carried each other through shit. So mm-hmm. I would see that as not a problem at all. Like, I actually think that is very healthy for, especially for men to be that kind of a thing. Like, Hey, yeah, yes, of course. How many times have I told you, you mister that I love you? (laughs) I know. I love you too. Yeah. I'm not, we're, we're, we're very comfortable uh, (laughs) expressing that to each other, which I, I am a fan. I think more guys need Uh, to say that and be it. Okay. It's like, yeah, I love this guy. Like it, it doesn't agree. always have to go if if it if it is that sure it is that but this is not that like between me and you and yet I still am way more like yeah I'm going to say that and that's how I felt v- with Frodo and Sam it's like they I don't think I could fit it into the scope of the show but like I feel like I could do a podcast link discussion on like the different types of love that there are and the way that our language fails to I communicate mean, that I, by just having, I, I have had the one word for it. Man, I've had multiple discussions with people over the years with that. Like there's totally. like, you know, in certain Greek and stuff like that. And my and wife Hebrew is currently listening like to that. this podcast and she is, like uh, uh possessed her eyes have rolled back into her skull and she's ri- listing off all of the like philia oh <laughs> you know, agape uh, uh the, agape yeah. oh she gonna be talking See, about agape i, told you. <laughs> I know i know this man uh-huh. i love I, I love language too so you know yeah. it, i i love I, I i swear if i could if i had the time i would learn as many languages as i can as as i would try to oh yeah, like, I love. I because I, I do want to be that one person that if I end up getting rich, I want to travel. I want to go all mm-hmm. over the place because that yeah. that was one of my things that I wanted to do um, for a long time and film it. I wanted to make. I I love travel shows and I wanted to make my own travel show when I was a kid, and I still think that's mm. you know <laughs> a thing. So I I love, but circling back to that thingy is. Um, uh, just yeah, that relationship and oh man, you said Sam because that's my favorite. Because uh, I think he's the well, he's the real. <laughs> it, like, now obviously it's, it's I don't more than that. Yeah. I feel like weirdly Sam almost gets too much credit because people will be it, like, "That's he's the he's the hero of the thing," and Frodo ain't even yeah, shit. It's like no, it, actually ex- Frodo is a wonderful. Yeah, it, yeah, because well. I, I was about to say that. I I was one hundred percent about to say that. What you were saying is. A lot of people mm-hmm. do say that it's like, yeah, Sam is Sam is the real hero. I'm like, Sam is a real hero. So is Frodo yeah. type thing. They yeah. are literally a package deal to the point that they couldn't 
the mission wouldn't have been a success if they both weren't together the entire time. That's kind of the, the base of it type thing because they both hold each other up in certain ways. Uh, totally. Yeah. When when in uh, the Tower of Kirithungal, when Frodo has been stabbed by But Sam thinks that Frodo is dead. Um, he like resolves to go on by himself, gets like ten feet away, and he's like, "No, I gotta go rescue Frodo." Yeah. <laughs> like he can't do it. He's just like, yeah. "Well, even if it's a suicide mission, and I just do nothing but like hold on to his body before we're inevitably yeah killed." Like I, I just I cannot be separated from him. I cannot be separated yeah. from him. And I think it's um, a lot. Of, I think a lot of that is I cannot be alone. Like I've always had him to lean on. It's uh, it's really Frodo. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not anything other than that. Like yeah. it's just he he loves Frodo and he needs Frodo. Yeah, um, yeah. But I always thought that was cool because that made the ending like you the very end 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 like that much more painful and that much more sad and that much more emotional. Like just the goodbyes yeah. of that whole thing. It's just like, Oh man, you don't have to do this. Like you, you don't have to do this. Like when I know. And, and like I said, I think that's masterful how it's, it all comes down to the four hobbits saying goodbye. And that's mm-hmm. when you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a man cry here. When, especially like when, yeah. You know, um, I'm going to say, like, I think it was Pippin. Was it Pippin? Mm-hmm. Who hugged uh, Frodo, and he was just looking kind of off in the distance with tears in his eyes. I was like, yeah. don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. They look, they, they just look like such wrecks. And I was like, in the, you do not have to do this. And then when, like, Sam obviously was the last one, he just started bawling. He's like, I, I want to go with you. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want you to go. <laughs> And he's like, and it's funny because Frodo was at, I, I love the fact that Frodo was at peace that entire time too. He was like, right. And I also really love the fact that he didn't go by himself. Uh, Bilbo mm. went with him <laughs> and Bilbo was like, yeah, I am too old for this shit. Well, they don't make it clear in the, the movie, but um, basically that that journey across the water that is an invitation that is open to all ring bearers mm-hmm. so that's why gandalf yeah. is on the boat that's why bilbo is on the boat but sam also gets that invitation yeah um and so like the the story ends and we don't know what happens afterwards but like uh d- to me you know when sam is ready he too will go yeah journeys across the water uh and and gets to leave his uh side piece behind <laughs> sorry rosie cotton uh <laughs> and, and go be with his uh one true love yeah but i mean like that uh yeah that's always that's really cool but yeah if you're gonna say sam uh, i was gonna say sam too sam is my favorite sam it's really difficult yeah. and honestly th- honestly the thing that pushes it over the edge is that his voice is very fun to do <laughs> It's very I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as a as a great character, uh, my favorite character because 
I am I'm always really interested in the villains, obviously. Uh so it mm-hmm. I, I in like I said, I, I do like like royalty and how that is handled uh in certain stories and stuff like that. And this one it's like really interesting because there's like all different types. And mm-hmm. I do like uh what's his name? That uh, you said his name before, John Noble's character, the bat one of the Denethor. Yeah, I love his character. Because it yeah, is wonderful. It is one of the most spiteful, like just over it characters. And like you said, there is some sense of sympathy to him because there's a reason why he's like that. But at the same time, yeah. there is no reason that you should just <laughs> like condemn your son who does nothing but try no. to do good for you and just like so selfish. So I'm I don't care about anybody below me. I don't care about the citizens. He he's like, flee for your lives. I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> and I'm glad he got so whacked. <laughs> like like uh what's his name? Uh Gandalf does wax him in the face. He's like, shut up. Yeah. It is a real good Oh, moment. I love um, I love saying that all the time. Like, flee for your lives. <laughs> and i was like okay yeah. uh, i love that character but um mm-hmm. i do um also really uh enjoy uh what you call it uh what's his name gimli i'm not gonna lie sure uh, i mean obviously sam is my mvp but gimli i always loved him because it was all fun and games, and he was kind of a joke. And then you get to the minds of Moria, <laughs> and he's like, "No, <laughs> what it's, the hell the happened here?" The minds of Moria here? is such a good sequence. Um, and then also like realizing that you know, oh, we're in the tomb of Balin. Balin was one of the thirteen yeah. dwarves. Like he was part of the 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 Hobbit. Yeah. And like, oh, there's like real connection and like tragedy yeah. here. Um, yeah, all, all that stuff. That's one of those situations where like those connections like deepen, yeah. uh, the whole experience for me. Yeah. Like, um, obviously there's like the whole, a mine, a mine, a mine, a mine. uh, John Reese Davis is so delightful <laughs> in that he's so having so much fun and he also voices Treebeard and yeah. Treebeard is also so uh, much fun. Tr- like Treebeard was one of my favorite characters when mm-hmm. i watched it because i was like i love this character that you know is super wise and super yeah. knowledgeable but he's like a tree they act like trees it's like we're gonna we're just gonna sit we're gonna talk he's like are you done talking we haven't even decided who to talk who's gonna talk first <laughs> or something uh-huh. like that uh-huh. um yeah i love uh uh book tree beard being just like we're going up to the um hill <laughs> such a hasty word for something with so much history yeah. <laughs> and he's just like he's just yeah. like kind of contemptuous of the yeah. english language he's just like, mm, not giving it its proper due yeah oh well that's not a hill that's a hill yeah it, but i i i always found that character really funny too just the idea of like living trees that are just like I've seen it all, and yeah, I haven't seen you. What is your name, little dwarf? 
<laughs> or a little orc. Yeah, he was like, yeah. you are a little orc. <laughs> uh, yeah, so much fun. Um, and I love John Reese Davies's performance as Treebeard because um, the character is described as having like a musical quality mm-hmm. to his voice. And they do like some post-process treatment, which like... Yeah is really wonderful and like really captures the spirit of that. Yeah. Um, mm, so good. Yeah. A lot of the choices, uh, I think they did like some, t- it was crazy how many choices they made in this, uh, this film franchise that were correct. Mm, the correct. Absolutely. Answer. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the amount of people that cared about the, not only the film, but also yeah. the material. Like the material mm-hmm. is like super special to so many people and it's actually timeless, which is crazy. So it's yeah. just like, no, this is a pure fantasy story. Like people would, some would call it high fantasy. So it's like, mm-hmm. I, well, I call it high. I, I, okay. How I describe high fantasy is something like the Lord oh. of the Rings where it's not, Harry Potter fantasy where it's like spells stuff like that shooting out of like actual wands and stuff like that which is another cool fantasy thing but this is high fantasy where everything is kind of broken down a lot more detailed and a lot there's a lot more rules to the world that you would like you know you would follow where you can't just like how we described beforehand like how um, I forget what book series it was, but how magic was where it's like, yeah, I could do this spell, but that is taking away sources, like resources from somewhere else to do it. And then that causes mm-hmm. certain things mm-hmm. to happen. Like everything has, it's more of like an alchemic, uh, like. Right. Or, kind of lot. an equivalent exchange yeah. thing that you're describing. Yeah. And I would say that's more into like the high fantasy stuff where nothing is as simple as just casting a spell and just changing things. It's way more, I guess, I hate using this word grounded, but it's way more, I guess, grounded in a way. It like, so grounded to me, I think is the right word, but like the reason why it feels more grounded is because it feels esoteric and mysterious. Like there's clearly rules mm-hmm. that are that are involved, but almost no one knows what those rules are because there's seven wizards that have ever existed. And only two of them are major players in this. And then other magic that happens is either not really magic or it's magic adjacent, or it's like, you're not quite sure. Like there's a moment where, you know, Frodo is just like, Hey, Galadriel, what's up with your elf magic? And she's just like, I don't know about calling it magic, but like, <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, sure. Anyways, here's my magic mirror. Yeah. Um, but I also, well, but like, I, I also think that uh, to add to that, I think, cause I was just thinking about this. Um, I think another reason why it's grounded is because there are consequences, like actual yeah. real consequences where people can still die. Like just getting shot with an arrow. Like you just don't totally. ma- just because you have magic or something doesn't mean you can automatically cast <laughs> cast a shield in front of you all the time or something like that. And yeah, it's not The Witcher where it's like magic users are trained and used for war. Yeah, like you know, it's it's not like it's that level of control. That's, yeah. By and large, war is still fought by people and swords. Yeah. 
Um, and then when something outside of that is introduced, it's a big deal. Yeah. Oh shit, there's an Olafot. Oh no, there's ring wraiths on fucking dragons? Uh, oh no, even the Balrog. <laughs> Balrog is a yeah. real big deal. Oh no, a Balrog, which is literally like, I don't think we can get past this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and not saying that like that kind of like uh storytelling or world building isn't cool cuz I love like you know Witcher is definitely straight up Elric stuff which is really cool. Mm -hmm. I, I love that kind of world building. But this is I I would equate that to more urban fantasy. Um and this mm -hmm. one to more high mm -hmm. fantasy. But that's like I said that's my opinion. That's why I would say that. So, yeah, I see where you're coming from. I'm not interested in arguing the taxonomy. Um, but yeah, like, I should have yeah, known. There's definitely Why not? A... <laughs> it's all right. Uh, it's all right. You're right. <laughs> you're fine. absolutely right. Um, yeah, there there is a groundedness to it, um, which I really like. Again, it's not realistic. It's not trying to be realistic, but like the stakes are realistic. They're never fighting a beam of light in the sky. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. They're fighting dudes. Yeah. Um, and the threat is that someone's gonna stab me. Yeah. Which would be bad. Yeah. Well, also stab me and I'm not gonna be able to recover from this. <laughs> which is why yeah. things like have I might get magic poison or something like that that'll burn you from the inside or something, but you still get stabbed. <laughs> Yeah, I might get stabbed and then slowly uh uh get pulled into the Wraith world, which would not be great. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still it's like an added layer of oh this is bad oh this is bad which usually means that magic is a big deal when somebody's wielding it um yeah type thing which is always really cool but i just like that um yeah but yeah the uh lord of the rings man um potatoes lord of the rings um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one other thing that I really want to just like uh, give a shout out to, um, th this is a movie that was this is a book that was written in its time, and as a result, it has it's not fraught in its racial politics. <laughs> there just ain't black people around, yeah. and it's not against women. There just ain't many women around. Yeah. Um, so you know th there's valid complaints to be had uh from those angles however the lord of the rings has maybe the densest concentration of great male role models in fiction like between theoden and gandalf and sam and aragorn like mm. absolutely aragorn like there are so many people who are who i could like tell ask myself just like what would aragorn do in this situation and that could be like a moral compass that i ascribe yeah. to like there are so many just like i don't know uh, uh um there's a an excellent article written about how you know aragorn is the antithesis of toxic masculinity mm -hmm. um absolutely. and i totally agree yeah with it's absolutely true um when he is brought into the city and is kind of claiming his birthright, he doesn't announce himself with a big fanfare. He goes into the houses of healing and he helps people who no one else could help. Yeah. Uh, he has spe special knowledge, you know, that he is able to use to help um, 
counteract the effects of fighting ring wraiths because yeah. this isn't a thing in the movie in the books fighting ring wraiths kills you yeah like it, it, it poisons you yeah. and you will die it doesn't matter if they kill you you're gonna like, die just eventually engaging with yeah. them yeah uh weapons die against ring wraiths yeah. you stab a ring wraith the sword crumbles yeah like it's they're extremely metal. Yeah. But the point is that Aragorn has this old wives' tale knowledge, you know, from being a ranger where he he is dealing with things. He just has this area of expertise that no one else has, and he's able to to help. And then suddenly the rumor catches fire. It's just like, oh, the hands of a king are the hands of a healer. And that is, like, mm. how he is known. That's how people know that the king has returned. Yeah. Is the hands of a healer. And, like, what a, like, weirdly profound thing for this captain of war to be recognized for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, he isn't recognized for his prowess in battle, and he isn't recognized for the crown on his head. He's recognized because he can and does help. Yeah. Um, There's so many things about this that are like that. Like, those small details or these small twists of expectation that, like have um a mythological or poetic beauty to them mm-hmm. um that i i uh just love. well it's it's very much what these stories should be about it's about our like role models that we should look up to like you know the original idea of like superman for example like mm-hmm. this is why mm-hmm. a lot of these modern day depictions of superman don't really work is because like who would want to look up to this guy like absolutely and Uh. but the original idea is no it's a guy for the people that he is just good for goodness sake type situation he Mm -hmm. wants to help because he just wants to um and i feel like like um the new cartoon for superman for example is like that he just wants to help he just feels he's like this is how I was raised. This is what I want to do. This is yeah. actually what I want to do. And he has the ability to help, and, it, and therefore he, he wants to he, help. He has. Yeah, to help. he feels like, like he has to. I have an obligation to help. Yeah, so. I mean, it, like it, it's you know become a cliche to the point where I feel like people lose the meaning of the words. But with great power comes great responsibility, and like. Yeah. I feel that personally, like if I'm in a position where I can help someone, I have a responsibility uh, to help someone. Absolutely. 100% and for me too. 100% yeah. uh, for me. What would Spider-Man do is a really great moral compass. Well, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, cause that's another one. Like he just wants to help because he feels he has to, I have this power. Yeah. Therefore I, I should be helping. I should be doing something. Um, yeah. and obviously that, like, that comes from, like, like you said, like Superman, that comes from his parents, just down home, hardworking farm people from Kansas who just, they're the same way. I just want to help, which is why, like, Absolutely. the modern version of Superman didn't work because the parents were kind of weird. It was like, this doesn't feel the, right. The, the live action Man yeah, of Steel, man of Steel stuff. It's like, uh, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, Agreed. But that's why. It's not because of all the shenanigans that happened with Martha and all that. No. Like, a lot of the, like, what is it? Uh, Pathos wasn't there. Yeah. And that's what made it bad, in my opinion. I mean, like, I, I, 
I feel like it's almost becoming a catchphrase of mine because I've said it so often, but like Superman's true power is his fundamental decency. Yeah. Like that is what makes him like he's he's powerful. Right. But what makes him a superhero is his goodness. Yes. Um, And every true like, well, not true, but every because I hate I hate saying true fan. But every huge fan of Superman who has been following him and wants to see him on the screen done right will say the exact same thing. They're like, yes, we 100% agree with you. We want to see uh, Boy Scout Superman. That is the point. Yeah, I I do. Yeah, but that's the point. That does not get old to me. Yeah, that should be what we like. That shouldn't be shamed. Like, we act like, no, that's not realistic. No, we need that. Because that's what we all yeah. want anyway. So why is it bad that we have an example right here? And I think Aragorn is the same way. We have an example right here. That shouldn't mm-hmm. be shame that he's just good. That he wants to be that. But he can also kick ass. That is the epitome. Like they said, that's the epitome of like what a lot of men want to be. They want to be the big strong guy. But at the same time, they want to have gentle hands. They want to be sensitive <laughs> they want to be holding the cat and taking the picture with the fam like you know cats are good <laughs> i don't necessarily like cats cat. but <laughs> you know <laughs> you know what i mean so yes uh-huh. potatoes uh-huh. i'm gonna go back to potatoes um potatoes potatoes they're taking the hobbits to isaac <laughs> mo naked hose boiler <laughs> <laughs> Mo naked hoes. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's like that's like Lord of the Rings is special. And like I said, I'm coming from it from a thing that I don't have a lot of history, like you know, as a child and stuff like that. I knew about it, but the most I had mm. read was the the Hobbit, and I actually saw the cartoon Hobbit first, and I was like, yeah, Lord of the Rings is cool. But I did, yeah, obviously I did, because what, you know, I don't know, like, what black person didn't think that um, as they got older. It's like, where are all the black people? There's, like, none here. But at the same time, but but here's the thing. I have enough, like, self-awareness to be, like, most of this sounds Nordic anyway, so, (laughs) like, I'm not gonna, like you know bemoan how could you Tolkien how could you I was like no I'm not gonna be that guy would I like to see more sure but I also it's not about that which I do like the fact that he didn't make it about that there's like no necessarily like any type of racial situation in the books I mean or as far as far as I know in like the movies anyway where people in the books Um, like there, there's nothing truly problematic. Uh, he does use the word swarthy more than I would (laughs) like, but I like, there's a certain amount of like, it was in the time. And I, I don't think that that's what he was trying to communicate. I don't think that, I think that he is ultimately very inclusive in his views. Um, but it's still kind of not great. Yeah. Well, and that just has to be true. Yeah. And I also, Um, I am also very aware too that like in the movies, like the only actual, like, like dark skinned people are the bad guys. mm -hmm. And that did, I did notice that. And I was like, 
that doesn't feel exactly great. No. And the fact that at least they aren't necessarily stupid, but a lot of this is, like, a lot of them tend to be a little bumbling, and that doesn't feel very yeah. good. And, <laughs> and like, to be clear, like, in the books, they are treated like other cultures. Yeah. They're just treated as other cultures that have basically already lost, right? Yeah. They've already lost the war and been assimilated into the 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 greater army. Um and it doesn't suck. Or it it does kind of suck, but like it, it's not presented um as a like inherent thing, mm-hmm. which is brilliantly illustrated yeah. through another all-time monologue uh by Faramir talking about, you know, you look at him and you wonder if he truly was evil at heart to go so far from home only to die here. Yeah. Uh you know, what threats or or lies yeah. brought him to this sorry point and would he not have rather stayed at home in peace? And it's like if that doesn't touch your heart, like I don't I don't know what to tell you. Well, like, I mean, I think the the entirety of the Lord of the Rings, like, as much as smultzy as a lot of people want to say it is and whatnot, and I am 100% for saying shit up to those people, is <laughs> it is about hope. It is about hope for peace for everyone. Not just yeah. the good guys, but everyone to just say, yeah. okay, enough is enough. <laughs> We're done. Absolutely. Are you done? Are we done? Okay. Because um, that's how I viewed it, anyway. Um, like, with my worldview, anyway. I'm, like, I'm 100% like, about the entirety. And which is why I like The Lord of the Rings as much as I do. Even though I have no deep history with it. I'm, like, when I watched hmm. it, I was, like, this is, this is something that's important. <laughs> like, this is important yeah. for everyone to hear. Like, this is why a lot of people love it. Like, of all different situations, like, okay, like race, like, uh, you know, culture, religion, all this kind of stuff. It is wrapped up in, like, a lot of people. A lot of people. There's mm-hmm. a genuine good message that comes with all of this, which is, I don't want to say that's rare, but that is definitely something special that needs to be cherished in this, especially in this day and age. Uh, so. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's, you know, it it's something. And like I said, I have it. I have all three of them. And we, st- me and my wife, we still have yet to see all three of them. I, together, uh, we still need to do that. Oh, wow. Because uh, there mm-hmm. is also the famous, now that we're kind of winding down, I'm going to tell a really quick story that's also very embarrassing for me. So all the masks yeah. can hear me cringe a little bit. <laughs> but uh, when I... Uh, got together with my wife one of the first dates we had i think it was the first date we had um i happened to bring over uh the first lord of the rings uh because i rented it and i showed up at her her place unannounced uh because obviously i liked her and everything like that and Mm -hmm. i showed up Mm -hmm. with the rented movie because it was on dvd and i rented it and i was like hey uh, I just decided to come over and, uh, I brought the Lord of the Rings. I thought we could watch it together. I thought you might like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then famously she's like, oh, okay. And she shut the door and she's like, 
uh, uh, she put a, like, she told me this, obviously, later, but she's like, I had to, I was completely unprepared because he showed up at my house without even calling, so I had to put on deodorant, <laughs> I had to put on a shirt, I had to put on a bra, I had to do all this kind of stuff, and I was like, uh-huh, and then she told uh-huh. me that, and I was like, wow, now I feel like even more of an idiot, thank you very much. <laughs> I was an idiot, thank you, thank you. Oh, boy. <laughs> and we like, watched half of nothing. it. <laughs> There's nothing cool about young romance. It's all incredibly dorky and sweaty. Oh, I got him for days. Uh, I got him for days. Because <laughs> I was that guy. But at the same time, mm. I had to, like, dump all of my game into one, <laughs> like, into one uh-huh. shot. It's like literally having so much game, but you don't, it's like, I only have one bullet. So I have to, like, literally just inscribe all of that game onto one bullet and just take my uh-huh. shot. <laughs> As they say, shoot your shot. So shoot your shot. So I Lord uh, of the Rings. My was a first pop- date with my wife was supposed to be the Chronicles of Narnia, but it left theaters <laughs> the day that we went to go see it. So I had to pivot, and I was like, "Well, Peter Jackson's King Kong is here. Should we watch that?" And it was four hours long, and it had the bug. Yeah, scene. the bug scene. Oh, yeah, that was not great. It was not great. <laughs> so, will you marry me? Uh. And then I asked her if she wanted to get, date me, and she said yes for some reason. So, God, that's really help funny. Me. Uh, so you can date that. Yeah. Uh. Awesome. Excellent. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, that is uh, our Lord of the Rings talk, at least for right now, because of course, I want to say that Corey was worried that this episode would be too short. Oh no! I knew it would go on forever. Uh, I knew Correct. if I gave him no leash, he would just go row, 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 and run around in the snow <laughs> all day and be like, whoa, uh-huh. and run around and roll around. And Yahoo. Be, yeah, so, yeah, but it, hey, man, I, it was good. I, I knew this was going to be fun because I, I knew this was going to be good. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. before we get to the end, uh, I think it's about that time. It's about that time. Yeah. Uh, what's going to be next? So, uh, the two topics that I would like you to pick from are fictional bands, <laughs> which is to say everything from Powerline to Four Town to, oh. <laughs> to uh, uh, Chip Skylark. Oh, man. Just talking about fictional yeah, just fi- bands yeah. and why we both love yeah. them. Like, they're so fun. Uh, or... Uh, great role models in fiction, who we, which we've already talked and touched yeah, on some, some today. But uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people. I'm assuming it's uh, going to be kind fiction. of a little bit more directed. These are both kind of a little bit more directed towards me, like we usually do. So, yeah, um, always. Oh man, uh, what's the first one again? Uh, fictional, fictional bands, because I do love music, uh, but I mm-hmm. but I also don't necessarily like musicals. But that's also not true. Because my tastes have changed a little bit. So, huh. Wow, but I do want to talk about role models, though, because that's really cool and that's really interesting. Because I can go I can go all craziness with, like, stuff in comics and, you know, Hell yeah. people that I, that, like, when I'm doing my own comics that I kind of take inspiration from and stuff. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh... Uh... I'm dead serious. I want to talk about music, but I also want to talk about that. Uh, 
I think I'm going to go with music. I think I'm going to go with the music one. All right. Because I... We'll be talking about fake bands. Yeah, face band, fake bands. And I'm assuming all types of fake bands. So... All types of fake all bands. All types of fake, like, music artists and stuff like that. And, uh, in like, movies and TV shows and stuff. Yep. We are talking about fictional bands that exist within the diegesis of the film. <laughs> so not just musicals where, you know, there's someone on a piano, but like, you know, we are Sex Bomb. One, two, three, four. Or we are, or my name is Protozoa. <laughs> Protozoa? <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Boom, boom, boom. Make my heart go zoom, zoom. My supernova my super girl. girl. <laughs> Okay, that's what we're doing. <laughs> you think I ain't no protozoa? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, um, man. Xenon girl, this is this is a whole other episode. Okay. Xenon girl of the 21st century was my first bad movie love. Where every time it came up on Disney Channel, I would watch it, and my mom would be like, "I think you like this movie," and I'm like, "No, that's not it." But I am fascinated. I can't stop watching. That means you it. like I don't it, know though. Why. <laughs> that means you like it. No, it's a different feeling. No, it's so I. Well, I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Now I can articulate it, but yeah. you know, at eleven years old or whatever, it was very perplexing. <laughs> yeah, it it was so. one of. Uh, I'm gonna say real quick. Uh, it was one of those movies where I said this would be better as an animated series, and I couldn't make it. Uh, <laughs> I'm dead serious. I still think that to this day, this could be better as a tw- this, uh, as an animated series. It would be difficult for it to be worse as an animated yeah. series. Uh, I think they could do a lot more, a lot better with it. It wouldn't be the 21st century because that would make absolutely no sense. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we could work with it. Uh, Disney, you will never Hell give yeah. me the rights to anything, especially after I saw like that horrid display that you called Girl vs. Monster where I thought it was one thing and it ended up just being a... What the don't fuck even, is Girl vs. Don't even Monster? worry about it. Don't even worry right, about it. Yeah, it it's it made me upset, <laughs> but because I thought it was gonna be one thing and it ended up being something else, and I was like, "How dare I have <laughs> faith in Disney's like primetime programming for kids? How dare I? How dare?" Anyway, you? hey guys, if you have questions, let us wrap it yes, up. Do you want to take it out? Because you do it better than I do. I'll take it out. If you've enjoyed the show, you can contact us at halftonetakes at gmail.com to drop any questions, comments, or suggestions for the topic of an episode. You can also visit us on our Discord. We've got a Discord now. Come swing by, say hello. We are always available to chat about the show, about whatever. If you've enjoyed listening, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Attic, or wherever else podcasts are rated. However, word of mouth is the only way that we grow. So if you like the show, please tell a friend. Yes. I have been Adam Bucheri. I am an animator and game designer. You can find my tabletop games on bucheri.itch.io. Corey Revis, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Well, before that, uh, you forgot to mention that we also have an Instagram. So go check out- We do have an Instagram. Go check out our Instagram. It's Aftone Takes. On Instagram, I post stuff all the time on that. Um, and Corey makes delightful little doodles for episodes, yes. and I uh, uh, they charm the pants off. Yes, me. and I, I hope they I charm the pants off of you. Uh, I hope you are walking around pantsless because of me. Uh, so- if you're wearing pants, yeah. <laughs> <so long. laughs> 
So, uh, I have also been Corey Revis, uh, illustrator and comic creator. You can find me on Instagram at E-A-R-T-H-U-R underscore O-N-E. That's Earther1. Um, and uh, I have a comic on Webtoons called Dawn of Time. You should check it out. It's cool. It's about it's cool. Yeah, it's about uh, Dawn. She is the first mother time. Uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. The father time has gone missing, and now his daughter has to, to step into the void. Yeah. Quite literally. Punching things. She's punchy. Yeah. She do punch. She do punch. It's cool. So, yeah. Uh, buddy, I love that we had this talk. Uh, it's good to see that uh, you're... Your extensive nerdiness started to come out, and you're like, uh, uh, "Let me tell you." <laughs> it was like um, uh, I was on the operating table on the scene from John Carpenter's The Thing, where they're about to defibrillate him, and I'm just like twitching violently as like little tendrils of dork. Oh, I, I thought you were gonna talk <laughs> about like the opening, body. the opening of the stomach. <laughs> ah! Exactly that. He's got my arms. <laughs> <laughs> But then it's just like, yeah. <laughs> that's all of the nerdiness, yeah. like, just, like, uh, involuntarily. Adam holds uh, back uh, a lot. Erupting. He, he is the more reserved one, obviously. If you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't noticed through all the episodes that we've done, he's way more, re- he's the more reserved one. He is the straight guy in our buddy cop film. Uh, but probably true, which is weird, yeah. all things considered. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> occasionally I can poke the right holes in him, and then all of a sudden, like, it just goes, <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> comes out, and it's just like, oh, this smells mm-hmm. interesting. Great. This smells like Bombadil. Uh, weird how good it smells. <laughs> <laughs> it does smell like Bombadil. <laughs> I gotcha. Bye. I gotcha. Goodbye. Got him. <laughs> the desolation of way is shot we could just do quotes from the lord of the rings to be honest <laughs> i wonder if that would be actually funny because that's my favorite that's probably one of my favorite lines in the movie is the way is shot it was made by those who are dead and the dead keep it the way is shot motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> It's Bombadil time! Bombadil time!